Welcome to Savvy Sabbath Podcast on Call In. This is episode 96. Elon Musk smears Matt Taibbi. Elon Musk is now smearing and censoring Matt Taibbi on Twitter. What are your thoughts? So I see we already have people lined up. I have to say, this has just been really unfortunate. Um, I think the Twitter files has revealed a, a wealth of, of knowledge, of information. Some of these things I think we had an idea may have been happening, but the Twitter files confirmed what we were believing. And now I, I feel like it is very unfortunate that you do have Elon Musk lying about uh, Matt Taibbi being an employee of Substack, you know, unfollowing him. Uh, this is kind of how you repay someone after they've done all this work for you. It's really a slap in the face. And I don't know, to me, it just seems like typical billionaire behavior. And I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Let me go ahead and bring in the first caller, which is Ashura. You are on the miggity miggity mic. What's up, Ashura? I'm good. <laughs> uh, I got to say, I, I can't wait for Jimmy to basically see this one. He's probably going to rip Taibi a new asshole for this one. Because I don't know if you saw the one when he did the Mehdi Hassan video. And, and, and t to be fair, I do have a slight critique on Jimmy because Jimmy was also doing that same shit on Elon, where he said that Elon's going to be speaking for truth, but then he had to walk it back a little bit in the same sentence to say, we're going to see what he's going to do, but you, you don't trust Elon Musk because Elon Musk basically is a billionaire. He's a fucking troll. So he's not going to, he's not going to, he's going to, he's going to only do stuff that basically that benefits and protects Elon Musk. Well, I saw, I saw part of that episode um, where Jimmy was talking about it because Unfortunately, I was watching part of it live and then I forgot what happened. I didn't get to see the rest of it. I think something came up and um, I watched one of the clips, um, but I didn't see all of the clips yet. But what was Jimmy's opinion about how things kind of unfolded here? Um, well, Jimmy basically said that um, when it comes to Taibi, he basically went on the show. He did. He thought that it was going to be uh, it was going to be like up and up. But in reality, basically, it was just a setup. Yeah, I thought it was a setup, too. I thought it was a trap. It was like that character on uh, Star Wars that goes, it's a trap. That's, that's yeah, what I uh, like. Yeah, Admiral Akbar or some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, uh, I didn't believe that. Because even when Noel and uh, I think it was Betsy was talking about how yeah, he went to Congress, he basically was defending the Twitter files. He didn't want to basically say it was, uh, what's his name, uh, Elon Musk that basically gave him the files. But he was basically defending the Twitter files and Twitter itself. And people were saying, well, where's Elon Musk in this shit? Why, is he, wasn't, why isn't he speaking up? Why is Elon Musk basically saying he's going to go to Congress? Because the Twitter files are not like government files. They're not anything like that. They're basically uh, corporate property. So he's got no, they're not going to do anything to him. Well, I did ask uh, Matt during our interview, I did ask him um, if he thought that Congress would call him, call Elon to to a hearing as well. And if he thought Elon would do it. And he said, he says, good question. I don't know if they will call him, but he would probably do it, you know, but it's it's kind of weird to me that they didn't call him at all. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so, because he's a billionaire. So he probably donates to, to both of them. Uh, then you have uh, this thing where he backstabs him at the at, for for Substack. Substack. 
I mean, we saw this coming. When he says you, you got Twitter blue, you, you have to make you pay for Twitter. Like, Twitter was never, like, uh, something you had to pay for it. Because he was trying to figure out where, where you could make some money out of it. Mm-hmm. And he was making people for, pay for a blue check. Then you have to pay for other shit. He wants ads to be on there. So Twitter is basically, I, I don't know. I, I think it's over for Twitter. I think that people are going to go any, anywhere else but Twitter now. And probably the shit lips are going to stay on the, on that on the platform. Well, people have tried to navigate to other platforms. And the problem that we've run into is that it just doesn't seem to have the same type of traction. I mean, I that day we thought it was all going to crash on Twitter. I opened an account on Mastodon and I went over there and I realized like it's nothing like Twitter uh, in the sense of engagement. Like there's more engagement on Twitter. And I think it's really hard for another platform to compete with uh, Twitter uh, ex- I, unless Panquake is released. And I've been waiting for Panquake to release for like two years. So that's another thing is like, where the hell is Panquake? What happened with that? Well, you had the same thing with Rumble. People thought Rumble was going to do some shit, but then you hear Rumble was doing the same shit. Yeah. But I think, but but Rumble, that's more of like a video platform, whereas uh, Panquake was supposed to be an alternative to Twitter that didn't censor people. And they raised all this money for it, and we still have no panquake, no pan or no quake. <laughs> so, wasn't, I don't. Wasn't, wasn't that supposed to be like a conservative thing, the panquake thing? I don't think so. I, I actually brought one of the developers on my show, like almost, I think that was almost two years ago now, um, when they were almost at their target goal in reference to fundraising. And he explained how the platform was going to work and everything. And then, like, after that, like, I never heard anything again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, on the Twitter thing, uh, I think it was you talked about how people were liking the tweet that Elon, when Elon basically, you know, he stabbed him in the front and the back and he twisted the knife and a lot of people fucking liked it. And yeah. I'm like, these people have like short attention spans. When uh, Matt Taibbi was exposing this shit for Elon, they were clapping this shit. They were saying, this guy's a hero. And all of a sudden, all the fucking, everybody's now turning. I don't know if everyone has totally turned on them, but the shit libs, I'm pretty sure they piled on him today after the Mehdi Hassan thing because there was a bunch of people on Twitter trying to basically clap for Mehdi Hassan, saying Mehdi Hassan was the GOAT. They exposed Matt Taibbi. Somehow the Twitter <laughs> the Twitter files are a hoax. I said, well, yeah, the Twitter files are a hoax, just like Russia Gate was a hoax, was real. Right. But again, where was where was Elon Musk in all of this? You know, he seemed to be pretty quiet. Like, that's what I was saying is like, I'm watching these journalists get thrown under the bus. I felt like when they were at that uh, congressional hearing, I felt like Elon Musk should have been present at that hearing, too. It's his platform. Listen, they called uh, the previous owner of Twitter, uh, Jack. They they called him to a congressional hearing before. So why why can't they call Elon Musk to this hearing? Why are they asking these journalists you know, all this information when he's the one who assigned the project in the first place. And I feel like, you know, good information came from the Twitter files at the same time. I feel like now some people and some other journalists are now questioning like Matt Taibbi's journalistic integrity. And, you know, sometimes I wonder, like, was it all worth it? I feel like it was worth it to get that information. But I also feel like after I saw Matt Taibbi in that interview with Mehdi Hassan, and Mehdi was trying to press him to criticize Elon Musk. And he was like, I like Elon Musk. 
you know, for Elon Musk to just throw him under the bus like after that and just be like, yeah, he works for Substack and his statement is false. And, you know, it's it's really shitty. Well, yeah, he threw him under the bus and he, he kept he kept driving. He was driving the bus. So I guess you that uh, that's it. He was driving the bus. He, he rolled him over and he backed up again. And I mean, if you go back and watch that Jimmy Dore video, the one he, he talked about it, man, Jimmy also exposed Mehdi Hassan. Uh, he was saying some fucked up anti anti homophobic anti I'm pretty I don't remember if it's anti black but he said some dumb shit where he exposed them as a guy who wants to be in the leftist circles but he wants to be on the right wing circles he wants to be on that corporate network he even said so on some on some network uh, in the UK he said uh, I wanted to be on your, he, he sent him a letter to basically get hired and say, I want to be on your on your platform or your business because I basically love the place. I want to work with you guys. I can basically, I love conservatism. He said that also he can basically work within the left and basically shit on the left for you guys. I mean, he's an infiltrator. Wasn't he originally, I don't know if he still is, but wasn't he originally anti-LGBTQ? I don't know. I mean, I was just learning that yesterday from Jimmy it was like, oh my God, this this dude's a fake. Yeah, I think I had heard that before that he actually was anti-LGBTQ. And it's just, I mean, these these people, you know, on MSNBC, remember they they were able to argue in court that like they're just they're infotainment. They're not actual journalists. Um and I just feel like all of this, the way that the events unfolded, I feel like it's just really unfortunate because I feel like people are now questioning the wrong people. They're questioning Matt Taibbi instead of questioning like, well, Elon, what was your whole purpose with this project? Like, what were you trying to do? And I feel like no one's asking Elon Musk these questions. And that really bothers me. Well, yeah, because Elon basically threw Taibi and the other guy under the bus. I haven't seen Elon talk shit about the other guy, though. I think it was him, Barry Weiss, and didn't Aaron Mate just recently started doing that? Something about on, on, on Twitter? I asked Matt about that, and uh, Matt said um, he was going to, he asked him to help. But like I said, I don't even know if this is going to, how this is going to continue, because if you go onto Matt Taibbi's uh, Twitter profile, it doesn't say Twitter files anymore. Yeah, they and, they, they basically uh, they censored it. Right. So whoever Matt hired on to work with him, I don't even know if that's still happening or not. Yeah, because I wonder if he's gonna um, if he's gonna go after the entire team because it makes no sense to do so where you you basically get these people to work on it and then you shit on them right after that that thing gets so big. It it gave more attention to Twitter than ever before. Right. And I don't even remember Elon Musk commenting on this project at all. Like, that's the thing yeah. that really bothers me is just like the other journalists may not want to participate in this anymore. I mean, Barry Weiss did it that one time and then I never saw her drop any more releases again. I think she left. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she criticized. So she did criticize Elon Musk. Meddy was right about that. And then she just she dropped off. So I don't know if he removed her or if she removed herself, but she did that one release and then I didn't hear from her again. So it's criticism he can't take. That's what it seems like. Yeah, because it seems like this guy is all talk. He he controlled, but he can't take he can't take the blows. 
all Matt Anyways. criticized was the, the Substack decision. And I'm sorry, but Elon Musk was lying. Like we tried that shit out the other day on Substack to see if it would work and it wasn't working. I'm glad I recorded all of that. I'm glad I, w- I went live with that information because now when you go on there, that's not the case. Yeah, I, gu- I guess somebody tried what you did and basically exposed it and they had to quickly uh, they had to quickly rectify the, sec- the, the sanctioning. Yeah, I mean, this isn't the first time Elon Musk has proposed the idea of preventing us from putting links from other sites onto Twitter. Like, what if he decides you can't put YouTube links on Twitter anymore? Oh, well, then fuck that. There would be no reason for a lot of us to be on there, to be honest. Everybody well, yeah, shares well, YouTube links on Twitter. I wouldn't be. No, I don't think it's going to happen because both him and YouTube want censorship. So there's going to be a partnership in there. Hmm. And he also I know Mastodon, he blocked the Mastodon links. You can't put those on there. So. I mean, there, there could be a secret deal between him and YouTube and not the other sites. So it is it is what it is right now. So we just got to we, we know. So we know. Elon is a basic a snake, so I call him a skunk. I call him a skunk. So Elon is not trustworthy, so we know that. Now. Well, we've always known that, so now we know we can't trust him. Even if he brings us something else, let's say Hillary Clinton, we can't trust him. Yeah, I mean, when he first bought Twitter, I remember a lot of us actually were like, yay, he's, he's going to be free speech and rah rah and he did some good things like in the beginning for some people and then he just started removing people who would criticize him or attack him like he brought some accounts back that people thought should have been brought back like he did some good things but at the end of the day he's just another billionaire who's going to protect his bottom line and even if that means like throwing people under the bus like it's 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 it's, it sucks what's not like every every account came back like some people said they did come back but then they didn't like not, not, not every account i'm pretty sure some of them are still blocked so i don't i don't expect elon to do anything i think he's gonna choose who he wants to well i know for example scott ritter's account was brought back but now his account has been removed again well yeah yeah because um elon i don't know if he's really in control of twitter anyways or he just doesn't care he just tells people to unblock who he thinks he want who he wants and those he doesn't want to unblock he just keeps a block so i really don't know about twitter man i i, I don't know when the when twitter days are numbered i think it, it's already numbered i don't know who's gonna light the stick of dynamite and just blow it up yeah well i will say this i sincerely hope because i know matt's on vacation i hope he gets a chance to enjoy his vacation and not have to deal with this drama because i've had to go through that before and i gotta tell you that's not fun when you're trying to just like relax like with you know family or friends or something like that and then you get hit with like this twitter drama bullshit that you have to deal with like how he had to send that that uh newsletter out today to clear things up to let people know that he is not an employee of substack it's just ridiculous like People can't even relax on their freaking vacation. I'm pretty sure he, he has seen it. I'm pretty sure somebody must have uh, texted him. He saw it. <laughs> he's, he's probably laying low. Maybe after uh, his vacation, he'll talk about it. But I think now he's seen it for what it is. Like, he can't trust Mehdi Hassan. He can't trust Elon Musk. Maybe he can't trust even anybody. Like, whether it's a, a billionaire or a fucking uh, ma- corporate corporatist 
uh, servant of the establishment. Be like Snoop and say, I don't love these hoes. I mean, I don't, you, you really have to be careful, especially like, like in journalism. Like for me, I probably would not have gone on Mehdi Hassan's show. Would you have gone on there? Do you think he should have done that? I should never have done that. Like it's like Jimmy said. Jimmy said whoever is his like uh whoever is like his bookie should have he should have either find, get a new one <laughs> because you don't go there and expect it to be go like rainbows and unicorns like they do for Democrats. It just be all above board. They were gonna shit on him from the get go, out of the gate. Well, I don't think he was probably expecting it to go to, for them to be easy on him, so to speak, but he probably didn't expect that no, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure he expected no well, I'm pretty sure he expected it but he also expected to basically be the guy coming in with the AR15 and just shooting all the targets right but they shot at him and the only good thing he got in there was the uh the Trump the the, the Russia gate shit right? he he basically called them out Well the thing is too I think people have to understand is that he's not a debater he's he's a, a writer you know he's he's a journalist and some journalists are really good at still like debating, but you know, for Matt, like I, I felt bad for him because that's why when I, I covered that on Friday, I was like, sweep the leg, Matt, sweep the leg, hit him with the uppercut. Like, I mean, he's not know. a martial artist, Sabby. He's a, like I said, he's a writer. I mean, I do, I do notice that when you trip Matt Taibi, he can't get back up. It's like mm -hmm. he's he's walking on ice. Every time he tries to get up, whoop, he slips back down. I mean, Bree, Bree did that to him, even though basically he had, he, he basically was well defending himself, but he let Bree caught him off guard. He let Medi cut him off guard. So anyways, I'm going to let uh, somebody uh, basically come in next. I got someone I got to deal with in the chat. All righty. Okay. Let's go ahead and bring in Rena. Rena, you are on the mic. How do you feel about the way that events have unfolded in reference to this relationship with Elon Musk and Matt Taibbi in reference to the Twitter files and what's happening now. Uh, I want to br just briefly say something about that. I think Ashura covered, covered a lot of the points really well, Matt. I, you know, I wish, I wish it would have been, uh, I wish it would have been Glenn Greenwald uh, because for two reasons, uh, he and Mehdi Hassan are um, colleagues, friend, friendly, uh, people, uh, I, I dislike a lot of things Mehdi Hassan, uh, does and says, and some of that stuff that Jimmy, Jimmy Dore exposed, I, I had never heard before. The, the one, the one place where I always gave Mehdi Hassan points was his defense of, uh, the Pal Palest Palestinians and their situation. But I have just recently found <laughs> that, uh, he decided now that he's on MSNBC, I guess, uh, or Peacock or whatever the hell it is. I, I guess he's decided uh, to criticize Palestinians because they're not all gung-ho for you for the Ukraine side of uh, that that particular war that's going on. So even the one thing that I would have given him points for, he's apparently started to waffle on that. So that's depressing. Uh, but but wh whether or not Glenn and he have been cordial in the past. Uh, Glenn is a debater as well as a writer, and that would have been a very much different conversation. And, uh, you know, I love Matt. I, I think he's too nice, and he's a little too cerebral 
also. Uh, like Ashura said, uh, you know, he's a writer and he, he thinks somebody asks him a question and he's not just loaded for bear like Glenn is or, I don't know, Jimmy Dore. Uh, people who are people who are experienced with debate or like stand-up comics who can think on their feet and deal with hecklers in the crowd. Um, yeah, that, that would have been a much different conversation. So bless Matt's heart. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a disparaging way at all. I, I think he's, I think he's just nice. And I think he's also a thoughtful person. And when somebody asks him a question, you know, he want, he, he wants to give it a second or two to gather his thoughts together and form a response. And he's not expecting somebody to just jump down his throat. But anyway, those are my thoughts on, on that whole thing. Um, I live in Nebraska, so I wanted to comment just briefly on your Nebraska segment. Uh, that voter ID law and uh, Eric was Eric in the uh, in the live chat was absolutely correct on this. This whole thing is designed to restrict voting. There is no voter fraud in Nebraska. There has never been any voter fraud in Nebraska. Why would anybody bother for, with voter fraud in Nebraska? You know, it's it's a blood red state now. Uh, every now and again, the second con congressional district uh, votes Democratic and presidential candidates, Democratic pre presidential candidates get one electoral vote out of Nebraska. But uh and that does drive the Republicans crazy, but it's the, this whole voter ID law is is a piece of garbage. Uh, I personally have been voting voting by mail for uh, quite a few years now because of mobility issues, and I am mad as hell about this voter ID thing. I am furious about it. The uh, one of the proposals that came up with the unicameral is uh, that uh, that you're going to have to go to a notary. You're going to have to sign your ballot in front of a notary and get it notarized, and then you can mail it in. Well, if I could get to a notary, I could get to the damn ballot box. Exactly. I could get to the polling place. There are several rural uh, counties in Nebraska, not mine, but several uh, not far away from, from where I live. I live in the western part of the state. Uh, who who have uh, switched to vote by mail 100%. And the reason is they have small populations and it's very expensive to put on elections. It's cheaper to mail a ballot to everyone. And I'm sure a lot of people know this already. Colorado and Oregon are two states that use vote by mail 100%. And it's work, it works fine. Uh, so what are they going to do? How, how do you vote by mail if you have to haul yourself to a notary or you have to uh, send a copy of your driver's license in with your ballot? Have they said, have they does, 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 does everybody have a photocopier in their house? I don't have a photocopier in my house. I actually have a printer with my computer, but most people don't even have that anymore. You know, it's it it's absolutely it's absolutely ridiculous. And what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to uh, defranchise a whole lot of old Republicans in this state. I am not an old Republican, but I am old, 
and uh, th they're just going to defranchise a bunch of them. But they're also going to get uh, the, quote, liberal city, Omaha, and to a certain extent, Lincoln. They, they will disenfranchise like, like normal, younger, minority, poorer people. Uh, they'll disenfranchise a fair number of them as well. So it, it's a travesty. And it was bought and paid for by the goddamn, sorry, well, wait, this is Colin, I can swear, by the useless Ricketts family. Pete Ricketts, who our former governor, and his mommy bought and paid for that ballot initiative. And you showed the numbers that they spent on it. It was millions of dollars. Millions. Yep. Millions and millions of dollars. And the opponents had, what, 75000 or something? Yep. Yeah. As, as, and it ended up being 65% of people voted for it. Because, you know, oh, we've, we have to preserve the integrity of our elections. I had, I, one of my... One of my friends told me that, yeah, she signed the petition to get it on the ballot. And I'm sure she voted for it, too. And I told her, you're an idiot. They got to protect that fake oh, democracy yes. there. Fake. Oh, we must have voter integrity. So, yeah, it's it, it's a maddening thing. But, you know, uh, money talks in this state. And as far as the bazillionaires are concerned, I wish Chicago would take back all the damn Ricketts family and get them the hell out of this state because they are toxic poison as far as I'm concerned. And just in general terms, whether there's any such thing as a good rich person, uh, this is also the state where Warren Buffett lives. And he owns one of these fine railroads that keeps having derailments. So uh, yeah, there is no such thing as a good, good, good billionaire. And uh, Elon Musk should be ashamed of himself. And uh, I haven't seen Barry Weiss or Michael Schellenberger sticking up for Matt Taibbi either, though. So what's going on with those two? I have no idea. I know Barry Weiss, like I said, she dropped off earlier on. Uh, Michael Schellenberger he was on Joe Rogan recently uh, talking about the Twitter files, but right. I saw I'm that. Not, I watched yeah. that. Yeah. I'm not sure if he said anything. Maybe he might've said something on Twitter. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. And I should, I should check his Twitter feed before maligning him here because he, he may have in fact uh, come out and, and defended uh, Matt, but uh, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's a it's, train wreck. Oh, it's sad. Oh, one other thing I do want to say, uh, I'm on Twitter. I like Twitter. I use Twitter. There's nothing out there that compares to Twitter. Uh, Substack, Substack chat, Substack notes. I, I don't, I don't care what they call it. It's like a live chat. I mean, I like a live chat. I was just on your live chat. You know, if, if, if it works out, I, I like to watch a live, a live stream Playing the playing the playing the live chat a little bit, you know, that's great. It's fine. I like to comment when people write articles and see if other people comment back to me and all that kind of stuff. That's fine, and you can do that on Substack or you know lots of other places where where people post stuff. Uh, but it's not Twitter. That's not Twitter, and especially on Substack or. Uh, like uh, Locals, which is affiliated with Rumble, 
it's that's not Twitter. You have to be a subscriber to participate for starters. Now, I, I subscribe to a fair number, a fair number of people on Substack, but I don't have an I don't have enough money to subscribe to everybody uh, that I would like to read 100 percent of what they post and be able to to comment if they're if they're using this chat feature or whatever it is. So sorry, it's it's it ain't going to be Twitter. And I don't I don't know why Elon's in such a tiz about it, because uh, it isn't Twitter. I, I don't I don't see them making it Twitter because because it's tied still to their subscribers. And it's that way with locals and it's that way with Substack, unless they're going to change something about it to where it can really be, you know, everybody can participate because that's that's the joy of Twitter. Everybody can participate until they get blocked. <laughs> so anyway, those are my thoughts, Savvy, for, for what they're worth. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I did want to say, sorry, I was looking for my wallet. I don't know what I'm, oh boy, I got to find that. Anywho, I did want to say that um, Panquake was supposed to be the Twitter alternative but like i said like that was supposed to be released like i thought a year ago and they've come on to the show they came on to talk about panquake and and all of that stuff and then i never heard anything else about it so i'm just like i don't know what happened to panquake i don't know what's going on around here but that was supposed to be the closest thing that i i saw that would compete with twitter but then it just i don't know i don't know let's go ahead and bring in Sean, you are on the mic. How's it going? I am not on ecstasy right now, so I guess that's probably an improvement, even though I had a great night on <laughs> But <laughs> I did, like, listen, listen, I give no fucks. I had an excellent night on that. I just, like, I had my full intelligence, and, like, looking back on it, I had none of the control. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, idea, idea. Oh, my God, this is a great idea. Anyways, um, I want people to understand, like, I've, I've spent way too much time studying the comprehension and the understanding of psychopaths. I've actually dealt with somebody, like, I got a lace blunt from a dude when I was 20 years old, and this dude then told me, that he slept with a girl that I confided in him that I was in love with. I had like a nervous breakdown, but ever since then I have kind of been on like a fucking like insane, uh, observation of narcissism and, and, and psychopaths and, and the way it actually manifests because a lot of people, and this is the problem. People think that we all have like a base system of understanding and evaluation. Like, and, and I'm actually going somewhere with this, but people think that like we all got windows. You know what I mean? Everybody has windows as a base system of understanding and evaluation. And we use this base system of windows to judge everybody in their actions. People really have yet to actually understand a person who worships himself. And what I'm talking about is like Elon Musk. And what I mean is like, you have to understand that there are people in this world flat out who do not see you as a human being. You know what I mean? You are not 
some other entity that you can engage with. You are a means of control or a means to which you can control. Imagine, and, and this is the thing, like people don't understand what it's like to have Elon Musk money. You can go to any place in any part of America and buy any company that you ever want. You could probably even buy most people, like literally. I mean, literally, literally. You can go to a place, see somebody at like a coffee shop and offer them $5 million to sleep with you for a month. That is the level of control Elon Musk has. That's a level of manipulation. That's a level of abuse that Elon Musk has become comfortable with psychologically. And the reason I say this is because of the fact that I think a lot of people don't fully comprehend the level of that depravity. And the level of that change and the level of that work. Matt Saibi was just kind of doing work, but I, 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 under, I, like, I've had bad bosses before myself. You know what I mean? He was trying to do as much good journalism as he could without pissing off Elon Musk. But at the end of the day, if Elon Musk can throw Matt Saibi under the bus in a second to improve his own personal evaluation, he'll do with that. I mean, Imagine this, Dave Chappelle, who got fired from the Chappelle show for like fucking having a skit where they shoot white slave owners, publicly came out like, like, like fucking doing a goddamn jig. Same thing with, with fucking Chris Rock. I watched the Chris Rock special. I, I'm still pissed. I'm still pissed because of the fact that we're not talking and like, and, 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 and I've said this before, but I want to say it real quickly. Um, one of the last conversations MLK had with Her- Harry Belafonte was one where MLK expressed that he had felt like he had integrated black people into his words of burning house. And what he was talking about was the cannibalistic nature of capitalism. Before that, if you were rich and black, you still went to the black community and the black community actually benefited from it. There was racism, there was disgusting nature of all of that shit. And then white America murdered MLK and the, the message they gave to everybody that MLK died for black people to experience the full breadth of capitalism. I I get sick thinking about that's what MLK's legacy is led to by these sick to pray people. But what you need to understand is this. He wasn't wrong when he thought that black people got integrated into a depraved system. The problem is we became so comfortable with the level of depravity that we see on a daily basis that we no longer have any level of sensitivity to evaluate it. MLK's objective and the reason MLK was actually as successful as he was, was he decided that I'm going to show you the depravity. I'm going to show you just like peaceful people walking in a line, getting their heads beat in because this is the nature of the system. After they realized what MLK did, they the system itself realized that they were never going to allow this shit to happen. Now you got the Rachel Maddows. Now you got the fucking, you know, the bullshit on MSNBC and CNN because they are actually smart enough to understand you never actually show what the protest is about. You never show the dehumanization. What happened with Matt Taibbi is just the, the, the condition. You know what I mean? We, we got like fucking Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. 
And the problem that Twitter and Elon Musk have is the same problem that Donald Trump had with the presidency. Donald Trump is too blatantly fucking corrupt for the corruption to be hidden. So instead of actually highlighting, we're actually talking about the nature of the corruption of D.C. and the entire system. What they do, they focus on Donald Trump. Instead of highlighting the corruption of shit like Jeff Bezos and the entire news industry, they focus on Elon Musk. But this is the thing. Elon Musk doesn't give a shit about Amy. He doesn't give a shit about uh, Taibbi. What he cares about is that, like, okay, I'm going to sacrifice this fucking pawn. But that's what it is. It's a fucking pawn. And more so than that, and this is, I, and this, if, if I want to stress anything, it'd be this. Don't expect Twitter to ever be anything. In fact, I, I now see the fees that I get. Like the trending topics I get is Israel, Palestine all fucking day. But when I go on national trending or normal trending, you know what I get? I don't see shit about that. And that to me seems like it's trying to pacify me. I think that fucking Palestine is trending nationally. And so my anger has subsided for a little bit. There is, I think it was an anime. There are some good animes, like excellent animes out there. But it's just like, it, it was Psychopaths, actually. Excellent anime. But it's, th- there is a line in it. And the line was, everybody's replaceable. Everybody, we can find somebody to do everything for us in one way or the other. And instead of us understanding our individuality, instead of us understanding our fucking humanity, what we have been given is our own little spectrum of reality. And that comfort has given us the idea of authority or the idea of comfort. But in reality, just pacified all of us. And that's my major fear with Twitter, that we get on Twitter and I, and, and trust me, like, you know, I'm not trying to get kicked off, but I'll tell Nancy Pelosi she's going to hell four times out of, you know, five days. But what I think that they're really doing is they're giving us the illusion that, like, we're actually reaching out to people. We're talking to people. In reality, they're watching every tweet we make. And every tweet they make, every tweet we make, they're devising an algorithm that ensures that our ability to actually conversate with the rest of the population is limited. And I even guarantee that they're looking to see how much can they do that without us even being aware of it. So we get on Twitter. We tweet our fucking tweets in anger and in protest. And we think we're doing fucking something. Reality, we're in fucking echo chamber and we don't even fucking know it. And so instead of actually doing shit in the real fucking world, figure out ways to actually fucking be real. Instead of any of that shit, what we're doing was getting our fucking comprehension satisfied by an algorithm that is literally there to satisfy ourselves instead of actually dealing with the reality of what's going on outside of us. And I think that is just like a larger cause, uh, cosm of what's happened with fucking Elon Musk and fucking Matt Taibbi. It's all a fucking game of smoke and mirrors. We're expected to pay attention here, there, the other, but when it really comes down to it, we need to understand one simple fact. Our ability to communicate is owned by the fucking enemy. That is like literally, if you just want to talk about basic warfare, that is the worst position you could ever be in. But we're not talking about that. Never talk about that.
We're not talking about that any point of organization that we're hoping to do is owned by Facebook, Twitter, whatever fucking platform. We're literally dependent upon the enemy to actually be able to effectively organize and it's never being brought up. And I think that overall is probably the biggest fucking failure of the left right now. And I, I, I'm, I'm sorry if I took over too much. But. No, it's okay. Well, that is one of the things that we've talked about before is that organizing needs to be done offline. It really does. I've done it both ways. And in the beginning, when I did organizing, it was only in person. When the pandemic hit, that was when some of us moved to uh, organizing online. So that changed things, I think, for a lot of people. It was like, how can we still effectively organize? And we're locked down because my state was locked down for a while. And so I think part of the problem is we're still in that pandemic mode, Sean. Some people, not all of us, but some people are still in the pandemic mode where me and Christian Parenti was just talking about this. Some people are still afraid to leave their house, Sean. So that's that's a big part of the problem. I think that we have to get back to just that basic grassroots organizing in person because you are correct. This is why, like, we've seen it happen, what, over the past, like, year and a half, like, trying to organize things like the Medicare for All marches. That was all done online, and we saw how... Yeah. How you I mean, saw it, it, the blowback from that, like everything, everything we try to do, the Rage Against the War Machine rally, you saw the blowback from that. Like all of these organizations, all these events that have tried to organize these things uh, via Twitter, et cetera, and all that kind of stuff. You're right. Like, look who else is seeing that. The Fed is seeing that. CIA is seeing that. NSA is seeing that. Like those people are on Twitter too. And they're yeah. watching everything that we do and say. And it's like, you know, it's it's very scary. It's very scary. I do have hope. I will say that, though. I do have hope. And I think that we do need more sites like a Rockfin, which is a worker co-op. A lot of people don't realize that. No, it's not as fancy as, as YouTube. But I've never been censored on Rockfin, Sean. I never yeah. have to worry about getting a copyright claim or copyright ID or any of that stuff on Rockfin. They don't even, they don't have those rules. Yeah. I, and I, I would also like to bring in the fact that like, I, and this is one of the things that, I mean, I forget, I forget his name, but the dude just pissed me off on Colin, but like, Money's fake, and when I say that, I fucking mean it, but it, it doesn't mean that the, the starvation is not real. What we are dealing with, and this is the one of the hardest thing that people, I, I think, have a hard time actually functionally realizing, because of the fact, if you're working, like, I, I got, I'm lucky enough that I can afford a part-time job, but, like, if you're working five days out of the week, you're focused on just working. That means out of fucking, like literally, let's say five sevenths out of the day, you're completely focused on work. There is going to be a limitation of your ability to evaluate the condition you're in, to evaluate the understanding that you're having, to evaluate what you're perceiving and understanding. That is the normal condition of everything that we're living with. And people think that this is just a normal condition of human life. This is abnormal. This is not a normal condition of human life. The problem is, is that just like war, just like poverty, just like fucking homelessness, people see something enough and they just get fucking acclimated 
have made it to the point that they actually don't even have the ability to sense or see what's going on in front of them. We're getting screwed over by a system that is only designed to do one thing, put us in a position of weakness and control. And the problem is, is that we have a thousand ways of communicating, but we don't have the basic way of communicating as simple ideas like this. And, 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 and like, as much as I hate Twitter, and I think it's the fucking problem. I think that there is a huge problem with the left of that just basic ability to get to the fucking nose of the grindstone to explain what the fuck is happening. Instead, we have 45 different arguments of 45 different, like, small groups of people who all think they're right, but have no ability, how, no ability or no idea what it actually takes to actually achieve anything. And instead of achieving something, instead of learning how to actually develop arguments to see like, okay, how are we going to communicate? I disagree with you. You disagree with me. And there is a fair amount of disagreement. But how do we do this to find the best solution? Instead of that, what we have is so much fucking infighting that I don't see anything being accomplished in any actual real condition, in any actual real way. And the problem that I have with that, and the reason I bring it up is because of the fact like that the, the Taibi shit and the Elon Musk shit, that's important. But the fact is that if you have an internal structure for organization or dealing with people, the chaos ex- external to you can be dealt with. But the problem is, is that instead of actually developing a way to, let's say, have honest arguments, you know what I mean? Like where arguments and the the actual points and positions of the arguments matter. Like, is this a sound argument? Is this logical? That has gone completely outside the window of the left. We're not having those arguments. It's about feelings. I feel this way. I feel this about you because I feel this about you is obviously true. How is that the basis of revolution? Because you're literally dictating the conditions of future actions and future reality based upon your subjective feeling and the group that you're subjectively associated and connected to. That's not a a basis of philosophy. That's not the basis of change. That is a basis of you feeling superior within your group. And the problem is, and I'm I'm sorry if I'm taking too much time, you know, I'm happy to sit down after this, but the point that I want to make is that, like, I do not see any serious level of philosophical or personal evaluation happening on the left to actually challenge themselves to understand, even on the most basic level, that right now we are using Elon Musk's platform for the most part of it. Elon Musk is a piece of garbage. He got his money from an apartheid state given to him by the money of a diamond mine that his parents gave to him. And yet we have Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock coming out here saying his praises. Like, how is it that there is no protest against Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock for this simple issue of literally them trying to come out and like do a jig for a freaking person who is in favor of apartheid state? We right now aren't capable on the left as far as i see to do anything of real sincerity or real seriousness because instead of 
instead of us actually focusing on a moral foundation that we can agree upon and find places that we disagree, but have a disagreement that is capable of having arguments that's based upon logic. Instead of any of that, we're always looking to feel superior to the other leftists, to the right or the left of us. And to me, I don't see anything changing or getting better with that dynamic in place. And that's the honestly, honest to God, the only dynamic that I see kind of in place right now. And I'm, I'm sorry, I kind of, I, I, I would, I, 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 I'm venting here. I'm venting here, but. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, no, I, I totally hear you. I mean, you know, to that point, there's been protests against Dave Chappelle, but not in reference to wealth. Right. It's been in reference to the tra- the trans the trans community, but not in reference to wealth. Um, you you have a good point there. Again, like I've always told people, wealthy people have class class solidarity. I don't think Dave Chappelle was sitting back thinking about how Elon Musk got his money. All he sees is that he has money just like him, and they're going to be in solidarity with each other. Don't get me started on Chris. Don't get me started on Chris Rock because I have not heard good things about Chris Rock for years. I've, so, I I I don't I don't trust I don't, I don't I, like I like after seeing a special you can see the mask slip a little bit but th- but that's the problem we're we're not we're not talking about the important issues you know what I mean like I like I I'm not gonna like like I'm not gonna degrade the transgender issue or Dave Chappelle's position on it but the issue is is that we're not looking at celebrities as they are they are a distraction they are literally. What a celebrity is, and everybody, you know, you want to know how I can actually, I can prove, I can prove this to everybody in the chat right now. The Rock. Every person in this chat knows who I'm talking about instantaneously. Do you know how much information you could have instead of the bland bullshit that you know about him? You know information about him. It is a distraction. Instead of us looking at Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell, what we have is celebrities. They're pretty. And every now and then, like, naked photos comes out of these celebrities. I mean, how lucky are we to see these beautiful, amazing people in that way? We are being designed to actually pay attention to the wrong things a thousand times out of a thousand, and we're not even fucking realizing it. How much information do you have on The Rock? Or or Jennifer Aniston? Well, I personally don't pay attention to celebrity culture. So I don't know. I I can't tell you personal things about any of these people, to be honest. Like, I just don't pay attention to it. Um, I mean, there was a time when I did, but like, I can't even remember the last time I watched like a celebrity reality show or I watched an award show. Like the Oscars just happened and came and went. I didn't even know it was coming on. And people were like, did you watch the Oscars? Did you watch the Oscars? I'm like, no. <laughs> no, no, I, why, why I, do I, I fucking it, care? Like, yeah. explain this to me. They're why dumb do I too. care? They're who dumb. Got an award for best actor, best actress. Like, but what the fuck? That how is that changing the world? It's so not. Like, for me, but, I just, but that, I never but that's it. Those things. No, but and this is this is the point I'll end on. Uh, I I had to kind of teach myself, but that is, but that's the reality. We are always dealing with human systems of evaluation. The awards are just human bullshit. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean anything. Like the even like my favorite one of my favorite movies, Batman: The Dark Knight. They didn't they didn't even put it up for Best Picture. 
Now, I know that seems petty, but the movie was smart as hell. Like, I, I'm a smart person. I could go into detail about how smart the movie was. But the point is, it doesn't actually represent anything. It's just human people saying, I pick that. And that is the literal definition of our entire society. We don't realize that it's that simple because of the fact we think that, like, oh, money is mathematical. Money's not mathematical. Like, if you really want to dig into it, money's faker than fake. But because of the fact money seems mathematical, humans, just by nature, we think by evolutionary standards that money is an evolution of our condition. It's all a lie. Like, Everything we believe is a lie. I'm I'm going too far into it, but the Matrix was right. The first Matrix was the most profound, deep movie. And like, I literally started thinking about it like a a couple weeks, a couple weeks ago. The Matrix was right. We are living in a complete lie, but we've all lived in it for so long that it feels like it's actual functional reality. It's not. And that's where they, that, that, that right there, that delusion, that idea that we're living in reality is the thing that the Democrats, the Republicans, the celebrities, all of this shit is designed to do one thing. Make sure people believe that what they're doing and living in is real. It's all bullshit. Is it, it, we can literally change it in the, in the drop of hat. But I, I appreciate you savvy and, uh, we had some good times during March for Medicare for All. The first one yep. was dope. Yep. It was dope. It was dope. And they fucking fired me because of the fact I and I was a volunteer. I'm just going to say that. So fuck them. But I wanted the March to have as much inclusion and as much like I wanted to spread the authority out as much as possible. The second I said that they were to fucking like put me on the sidelines. And I shut the fuck up. They, there was a fucking journalist that came to me. I shut the fuck up about it. I was like, do not do this. Like, I want this, I want this to succeed because I believe in it. But I shut the fuck up and I told the journalist to shut the fuck up. But I'm going to be honest. You can't have a movement without different people. You have to have, you have to have the fucking ability to have people who have disagreements and also have the ability to have disagreement to weigh it that it's healthy. If you can't do that, you're not going to change anything. And I just want to say that and then all that. Thank you, Savvy. All righty. Thank you so much, Sean. Let's go ahead and bring in uh, Lewis. Just have to unmute. There you go. Louis, Louis, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Uh, boy, uh, these days have been crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel bad for Matt because uh, he definitely does not deserve any of this whatsoever. Um, while he was talking about um, you know, the motives that people have for uh, or whistleblowing. Um, yeah, he should have covered himself a little better. Um, really read more about um, Elon's history with his employees, how he's how he's dealt with businesses before, so he can see who, you know, who he really was before he even got in, in, into the thing. Because um, Elon is all about himself and all about. Uh, Covering for his uh, his classes uh, needs, not 
anyone else. Um, and I hope, I hope for Matt's sake that it's a, it's a growing, um, experience. Um, even, yeah, even I, it's, it's, it's almost as if it feels almost as if Matt never left that, um, uh, that, uh, that hearing with, with the Democrats, you know, throwing him under the bus, it's, 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 it feels like he's still in that, in a situation with people, uh, you know, shitting on him when really he's done incredible work. Um, and there's just people who are too easy. We, we, we're, we are too easily, um, too easily misled, too easily propagandized. And I don't, honestly, I don't blame people for that. Propaganda machine is a very powerful one. Um, it's not only affecting things here in the States, but also in Europe where very similar things, um, you know, um, Corporations are buying politicians and um, then missing up uh, things in Europe and England and in, uh, in France and Germany. Um, they're going to the same, uh, the, the regular people in Europe are going through very similar things that we are with our politicians here because they're all, they're all under, uh, they're all serving corporate interests. Um, and these are the people who are going to, sadly, you know, with like with, um, with Elon having, being such a, an unbridled, um, child, petulant child with too much money and time on his hand, on his hands, um, that he, yeah, these are people who are willing to destroy the world just as they're looking to start things with China. In Taiwan, misleading people, because uh, even until recently, um, there's you know that people don't realize that China, Taiwan is part of China, and you know um, to to have people in power who are who don't care about humanity, they they think they're going to survive, you know nuclear annihilation because reasons um yeah these, these these are people who don't who who don't live in the real world they live in this in, in these bubbles that money protects them from uh and we, you know we have to uh we have to stand up you know and do things ourselves locally to get things going so hopefully we don't blow ourselves up um you know in a, you know, a presidential uh and uh and uh, uh congressional seats is just garbage these days unfortunately why are um, people no question lewis why do you feel people are going after matt taibbi but not the other journalists that were involved as well 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 because Taibi himself already has uh, a real decent reputation, and the 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 more decent a person's reputation is, the, the harder they go at them. Um, and uh, uh, you know, 
do if if you can't you know if you can destroy a person's you know uh uh you know like they can't go back to his take two like like um Nettie did he uh he only you know talked about typos essentially um and none of the substance so Taibi, he's he's a journalist of substance. Um, and when it's someone who another journalist of substance. Um, but uh, so they can't attack the work, so they attack the person, as you know. Um, and I mean, what? Well, to be fair, Michael yeah. Schellenberger, Michael Schellenberger is a, a you know renowned journalist as well. No, absolutely. But the thing is, he's he's not as much of a lightning rod as Taibi is because you know he's he's had uh, you know Taibi has, has has gotten has gotten under a lot of uh, a lot of elite skin, just like um, just like uh, Assange and. Uh, Oh, and Aaron Mate as well, um, you know, exposing uh, the the um, uh, the Russiagate nonsense for what it is and all that. And again, they don't they, they don't like people who who expose their BS. And um, and uh, Elon, I, I feel I feel bad for for Taibi because he is a journalist who's got who got duped by by an artist. Bottom line. Well said. Well, well, thank you so much for that, Lewis. I'm going to bring in Joe. I'm going to go to you, Joe. I think you dropped off. I'm going to go to you, and then I'll come back to Scotty. Joe, you are on the mic. What's up? Hey, sorry. I, I popped in briefly because I thought I had something to contribute, but I backed out because I didn't. But then, you know, more conversation happened, and, uh, yeah, I have stuff to contribute now. Um so I can get to the back of the queue if, and I don't want to cut anybody. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I'll bring in, um, if you get back to the queue, I'll bring in Scotty. So let's bring in. All right, Scotty, you are on the mic. Just have to unmute and let me know your take on all of this. There you go. So you're unmuted, but I cannot hear you. I will invite you to speak. I'll invite you as a speaker because it could just be um, an app issue. And then just mute yourself and then unmute yourself. Actually, maybe it's me. Hold on. Hold on, Scott. It might not. It actually might just be me. No, it's not me this time. Okay. I'll, I'll come back. Go ahead, Roger. I'll come back, Scotty. Maybe his um, mute button went gray. That's what I'm wondering. Um. Oh, no, he's gone. But go ahead, yeah. Roger. I'll bring in Lance. So, um, this is not going to save MSNBC because, well, maybe Trump will save MSNBC, but 
at the end of the day, no one's watching them anyway. And there, this was like, to me, this was like a, a Hail Mary to try to keep them alive. So we'll win the war. They may have got this one, but we'll win the war. Um, but I never believed, um, I, you know, I heard a, you know, a, a, a bunch of people, customers who I had who were saying, hey, uh, Elon's going to take over, uh, it's going to take over Twitter and it's going to be free speech everywhere or whatever. I said, you really believe that? He said, yes, 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 yes. And I was just like, well, what if one of his workers at one of his battery factories wanted to do a union or want, or want to speak bad about the working conditions? You actually think he's going to let that fly? You know, it's like I never really believed that he was going to be like, I'm not saying anybody here believe that, but, you know, anybody with common sense should know that he wouldn't have not let, you know, free speech, you know, reign free. You know, I mean, that was just wishful thinking. Um, So, you know, um, I don't know, you know, about that or whatever. Um, But just speaking to what um, Sean was saying before. Hey, Sean, you're still here. Good. Listen, um, just like you were saying before about, you know, we need to get past the arguments and whatever, whatever. You live in a ballot initiative state. You can bypass all of that. You know, Colorado, you can put your own initiatives on the ballot to pass state law and ratify your own amendments to the Constitution, to the Colorado Constitution. So to me, that's just that would be just boom, getting straight to the activism part right there. You, you see what I'm saying? Um, you should hook up with Frank. He's on here. He he's in Colorado. You know what I'm saying? Um, because because that right there, that just that's that's your activism right there. That's your uh, not being on Twitter right there. You know, that's actually meeting up with people and going. And not to mention, uh, Sean, you got activism. Oh, you got campaign and activism experience. Um, with the Bernie campaign. So, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you you got everything that you need, you know? Um, so, you know, I think you should, you know, think about that. Um, I think, you know, because once one state gets these, gets these uh, laws passed, the others will follow. You know what I'm saying? And um, also, remember when I was here last time and I was talking about, I didn't really get a chance to finish Remember I was talking about seeing ourselves as consumers instead of workers. And that's what um, that's that's part of why we can't have worker solidarity. I don't know if you remember that or whatever the case is. But um, if you if you want to bring back worker solidarity. You have to deprogram people to get them from thinking of themselves as consumers and thinking of themselves as workers. We are a culture of consumers. We're like, where can I get the better deal at? Where's the best sale at? This all started in the 1970s, where credit card companies helped lobby to end the ban of women not being able to own credit cards in their name. This would add more consumers to the pot. Now, combine that with the outsourcing of manufacturing jobs, which started in the 80s and exacerbated, then came to its culmination in the 90s. The pitch was, hey... We can make that thing over there cheaper for you for purchase simply by making it cheaper to manufacture outside the country. 
you know, you don't want those pesky labor issues demanding more pay for their workers getting in the way of you being able to afford something cheaper, right? By the way, that thing in your pocket, that costs $1,000. Where's the cheapness at? I mean, I don't know how much you guys pay for your smartphones, but I'm seeing this shit is like $800, $600, $1,000, $1,200. I thought the shit was supposed to be made cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why? I mean, if, if it's going to be that expensive, you might as well just bring the jobs back in. We'll make them, <laughs> you know? But um, it is this consumer mentality that leads us to say the rent is too damn high or things are way too expensive and the cost of living is out of reach. Why do we say that rather than the paychecks are too damn low? Why do we fight for bringing costs down rather than paychecks up? It's because we see ourselves as consumers rather than workers. We are more concerned about getting our stuff for cheap and not caring about how it might affect the workers who got you your stuff. Sabrina, you were definitely right when you mentioned Amazon and your friend said it went over her head when mentioning to her about what Amazon is doing to its workers, where she didn't care and was just all about getting getting her stuff. Mm-hmm. Just like when I spoke to that woman at T-Mobile about Amazon and she just told me, oh, I just love my Amazon. With all these things focused on how to save and how to budget correctly, it's all designed to get us away from demanding wages that stay permanently above cost of living without demanding anything from the boss. You see, it is this consumer consumption culture that has led us to camp outside of Walmart Thanksgiving day midnight into Black Friday sleeping in the cold. It is the consumer mentality that led to the death of Jamadal Damar in 2008, a Walmart worker in Valley Stream, Long Island, who was stampeded to death when he went to open the doors on midnight Black Friday for those waiting to enter the building. And like the running of the bulls in Spain, when released, they commenced to stampeding his life out. This part right here, I got from a Daily News article. The Black Friday stampede plunged the Valley Stream outlet into chaos, knocking several employees to the ground and sending others scurrying atop vending machines to avoid the horde. When the madness ended, 34-year-old Jamatar Damore was dead and four shoppers, including a woman eight months pregnant, were injured. He was bum-rushed by 200 people, said one Walmart worker, Jimmy Overby, 43. They took, off, they took the doors off the hinges. He was trampled and killed in front of me. They took me down, too. I didn't know if I was going to live through it. I literally had to fight people off my back, Overby said. End of the article. Now, how many times have you seen this happen in the news throughout the decades? Not the part about people getting hurt, but consumers waiting for the doors to open. And then you see a mob rush through the doors, people fighting. That's mine. No, I grabbed it first. That's mine. It all it also introduced, of course, the snitching culture into the workplace where there's no solidarity, where you have people looking to curry favor with the boss so that that so that they can have the boss focus on co-workers are doing what they're doing rather than what you're not doing and while you're slacking off or whatever the case no look over there boss look look, look what he's doing all to try to curry favor and, and all that and it gets worse if you're if if, if you're black and you're the one getting snitched on because a lot of times they don't want us there anyway so it's so it's even double of that so now you're dealing with no worker solidarity on also a racial level 
Okay, so it's not just no work of solidarity with the with consumer culture, but race as well. This is why when I say tax the rich, I tell my brethren here that we should be specific on which rich we wish to tax. If you say tax the industrial of today, like Musk, Gates, Bezos, that's a harder lift because people feel a connection to those companies. Why? Because often, because they offer them something they can use in their lives, which is why I say the tax the rich argument should be for those who represent the majority of the wealthy in this country, which are not those who manufacture things, but those who make money off of money, but contribute nothing tangible that society can use. If you wish to tax the rich, you tax derivatives, speculation, stock transfers, stock buybacks, capital gains, carried interest, and high-frequency trading. You never hear anyone professing their love for those guys. When it comes to Bezos, Musk, and Gates, our rhetoric should be Attorney General Disillusion, a.k.a. revoking their corporate charters, a.k.a. the corporate death penalty, make and make it possible for the attorney generals to issue our cooperative charters in their place. In conclusion, this is exactly what I mean when I say there can be no worker solidarity until we deprogram our mind from thinking of ourselves as consumers, but reprogram our mind instead of thinking of ourselves as workers. However, what I would argue for instead is to jump right over that and get them to think of themselves as owners rather than workers. Instead, it is a more effective approach. Thinking of themselves as owners of companies, land, distribution, and supply chains through cooperative worker and community ownership goes a longer way. We do that than a general national strike would be organic. That's it. Well said, Roger. Well said. I think, Scotty, I think you want to give it a try now? Want to go ahead and unmute and uh, see if it lets you come in? Maybe you can't hit the unmute button. I don't know. I don't know what's happening, Scotty. Can you hear me now? Oh, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> okay. I even said yeah. it wrong. It's not Scotty. It's supposed to be Dim. Jim, right? It's, damn it, Jim. Damn it, Jim. <laughs> I'm a doctor, for God's sake. Go ahead, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I <laughs> that was a that was a good uh, Roger. I, I heard uh, the last bit of that. So yeah, uh, we definitely do see ourselves as consumers uh, rather than workers. And maybe I don't even think we. Uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of us don't even like to see ourselves as working class or poor because we're still. We still believe in the American dream. Maybe that's another reason. But um, I wanted to uh, call and say, like, um, so I I went on uh, the lever the the lever website, and so I paid the eight dollars to get the full interview, the the AOC interview. Um, and I'm listening to the interview. The interview is like an hour long. And there is no pushback throughout the entire interview. Like he literally, like you know how uh, like TYT made fun of Dave, uh, Dave Rubin the way he interviews people. Like he just yeah. lets them talk. 
That's pretty much what uh, David Sirota did throughout this interview with AOC. And the, the funny thing is, so he asked her the question about, you know, the railroad uh, strike vote, or how she voted to uh, break the railroad strike. And the way he phrases the question, he says, you know, um, the readers and the listeners uh, asked the questions of you, saying, well, you voted 91% of the time with uh, Democratic leadership. Um, you um, uh, didn't vote. Uh, you didn't uh, withhold your vote uh, to, force, uh, to force votes for Medicare for all. And um, he also said, because um, I'm looking at the transcript, he also uh, said, um, yeah, I'm looking at the transcript, he, he said pretty much that, and he just lets her talk throughout the uh, throughout those things and doesn't offer any pushback, doesn't, like, doesn't say, like, well, you could have done that. And there's even one point in the, the uh, interview where AOC says, also, people have to really think about what it means to do a general strike, you know, because, you know, we have to really come to, term, come to terms with that. But what does this like, have to, I'm sorry, Scotty, what does this have to do with the way that she voted the way that she did, though? It... He doesn't, he doesn't press her. Like, I, I sent you the interview. Like, I don't know if you got the link. But I can't even send you the transcript. Can you and email just, it to me? Because if you send me something on call-in, and that's for all you guys, like, I keep forgetting call-in even has a, me a messaging uh, part. So um, it, it's best if you just email it to me. What, what is, well, I want to ask your, for your email on here, but would you it's, be okay? No, it's. It's public. It's it's under all my videos. Let me put. I'll put it in. Uh, the, I just put it in the chat again. Yeah, it's Sabrina Salvati at SavvySabs.com. Yeah, it's public. I don't hide it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't want to put you on the spot there. But yeah, he does not. He he, he literally listened to the interview. It's an hour long. He does not press her on anything. And there's like at the um, the end of the interview. <laughs> He has, uh, he says he uh, has uh, Adam McKay ask a question, uh, basically saying, well, what can you do to fight uh, um, money and politics and talk about the, the, the manipulation of, um, talk about the manipulation of uh, Democratic leadership and certain things that they do, man. He says, well... At certain times, like they just they use uh, the influence um, to to weaponize uh, uh, not doing anything for your district, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, okay, if that's the case, why don't you just go out there and tell people that that's what they're doing, and say like, I'm going to need like the help of people to actually combat this. Like, he does not do that. I, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, it's funny because I listened, I checked on YouTube. I typed in ALC David Sirota because I wanted to see if there was any clips of it on YouTube. 
And the last, uh, the last thing I found out, ironically, it was a, a video of the Vanguard talking about David Sirota getting it said at AOC for going on um, podcast uh, Pod Save America, and he said it'll be real okay. It, it would be real nice if AOC would go on to independent media. Uh, independent media shows instead of, of the neoliberal Democrat shows. <laughs> and that was five months ago. And so, yeah, it, it once, I'll send you, I'll send it to you so you can see what I'm talking about. Uh, but uh, Because the interview is uh, 50, like maybe an hour long. And by the way, um, you're right, Matt Taibbi is too nice. He's way too nice, and uh, this whole Trump era has broke a lot of people and exposed a lot of grifters. Like, um, I remember how um, Keith Oberman, if you remember um, Keith Oberman when he moved from MS, like, one, when he was on MSNBC, and two, like, when he moved from MSC to current, he actually had uh, Matt Taibbi at one point as a contributor to his show, and now he's he he's like calling him out for the whole Twitter uh, files thing, and I guess he's still upset about his r- resistance uh, on the uh, the Russia Gate narrative. Keith got fired. He didn't leave. <laughs> well, yeah, there there's that. He he got fired. Like I think that was more. I think that was more so MSNBC. Didn't want anybody to be bigger than the network. I really uh, like because nah, they he's, cared he's, about. He got a big ego, and he he don't know when to shut up, and he he pisses people off in the wrong way. He that that's people. that's. I mean that's true, but Chris uh, Matthews is the same way. Like Chris Matthews only got uh, fired uh, from the whole Me Too allegations because you know we got at the point where people. Chris Matthews kissed ass. That's why he stayed there for so long. Keith Oberman. I mean, did. but anyway, my bad. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, that's understandable. But uh, like, if they, because I remember also the same thing happened with um, Phil Donahue. Like Phil Donahue was their number one rated show, and then they they cancel a show, only to find out uh, a year or two later that. They had um, a memo saying that we don't want uh, our number one show to be the anti-war show um, when everybody else is waving the flag for their Iraq war. And I think that was the same issue with Keith Oberman, even though the guy's just a standard limousine liberal. So there's that. Um, But yeah, like it's really... It's really interesting. Like you see all these people who are in like those spaces, like Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald, Jimmy Dore uh, being on TYT for about a decade, and not a lot of complaints about him publicly because uh, you would have heard about it uh, before 2016. Um, like there's all like all these different figures. They used to be be invited on these shows, and ever since 
Trump gets elected and the Russiagate narrative happens, like these people have falling out with the the crowd that they used to be a part of. Like it's really it's really a fascinating and strange watch. Uh what happened? What's happened over the past year, post two thousand You're in Chicago, right? Columbus, Columbus, Ohio. I, I'm a Buckeye fan. All five on uh, uh, on YouTube. If you see me, Buck. If you see me in the comments, Bucko fan. Oh, Buckeye. No, Buckeye, Buckeye fan. Yeah, Buckeye fan. You live in a ballot initiative state. Yeah. <laughs> you sound like you're young. You sound like you got energy. Huh. You know I'm a prodigy, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm 37, so I'm not that young. Young, oh, but not that young. <laughs> I hear you. You should do it, mm-hmm. though. But how's, every, how's uh, both your Easter's going? Uh, going great. I, I went. I was at a protest about uh, the New York Health Act and stuff. Yeah, and off work. Stupid. Yeah, yeah, off the country. Yeah, off work, pretty much. But um, yeah, I was uh, was uh, trying to listen it in, but whatever reason, like the past couple of times when call in, like I listen and I'm not like the sound goes out on your end. So I don't know if you've seen. I don't know if you witnessed that on this app, but like, Ooh. whatever reason, on on my ahead. end or Roger's end, uh, on your uh, on your end, like I, I don't hear anybody at certain points, uh, like. Well, I I, I try think, to like, mute. If I'm not talking, I try to mute myself so I don't get that echo. No, I mean, uh, no, I mean in general, like I don't hear any, uh, like. So, like, when I tried calling in a few minutes ago, I didn't mm-hmm. actually hear anybody speaking. Really? That's the to, Yeah. You might need to update the... You might need to update mm-hmm. uh, Maybe I'll, next time I'll try on the, the computer, but, like, yeah, I guess they still need to... Um, they still need to fix the app. But yeah, it, it it's really been... It's really been strange and, like, they're going to end up at some point, and I think in the near future, if it gets to this point, because, uh, like, um, we look back on the Red Scare of how it, like, destroyed people's lives, and, like, one person that comes to mind is Paul Robeson, oh. and, like, we, like, yeah, oh. you know what I'm talking about. Wow, you talk, y'all don't know what cancel is until you've seen how they canceled Paul Robeson. Yes, yeah, I always laugh. Like people complain about cancel culture. I'm like, go look up Paul Robeson. Go look up uh, uh, Eartha Kitt throughout the 70s and the 80s. Like, I, I'm I'm 37, so I remember seeing the movie Boomerang. Like I was a teenager, I seen the movie Boomerang, and I uh, <laughs> that's how I ended up finding out about Eartha Kitt. And I didn't realize like who she was until like years later, and then I hear mm-hmm. the story about I hear the story of you know of what happened between her and um, Bird Johnson, yeah, and like Bird, that's Johnson, yeah, yeah, that's being canceled. 
Like that's me yeah. uh, seriously. Like hell, um, Big Bill Haywood had to uh, leave the country, go to uh, Russia, spend his mm-hmm. remaining years in Russia. Like all these, like all these people dropped the Red Scare and uh, House on Un-American Activities. Uh, like, like and that's people, real. Camp- these people were celebrated as heroes. Um, like people embraced uh, communism and uh, socialism. Um, that's what brought FDR into power. And the moment mm-hmm. that he, moment that he died, they went to work turning them into villains. Okay, mm-hmm. and but you got to understand something. The only thing that the only thing that existed, the only government like enforcement agencies that existed at the time was the FBI, right? But Mm -hmm. they were not enough to keep the Unionists, the Socialists, the American Communist Party at bay. So Mm -hmm. this is the reason why I say Truman was the worst president that we ever had in the past hundred years because he was the one that started the CIA, the NSA, and um, the Someone bomb. Was, oh, the, the bomb. Duh, of course. Duh. Yes. How can I forget the bomb? The, the boy, yeah. The that bomb. Bomb, bomb. And, um, yeah, so, and, and so now there was, they had something to suppress and demonize. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, unions and, what's the other one I said? The CIA. I mean, sorry, the unions and, uh, the other stuff I said, uh, communists and socialists and so on and so forth, you know. But I, I wanted to ask you, how's it going over there in, in Ohio in terms of, I don't know how far you are away from East Palestine. Like, what do you see? What, you know, to give us some on the ground coverage here. <laughs> as far as East Palestine, Ohio, I, like I'm getting, I'm getting my news from you guys as far as like what's been going on. Like I'm in Columbus, so I'm not like, like uh first time I even heard about East Palestine was uh when the uh, when the mm-hmm. accident or the lack or whatever you want to call it happened. Mm-hmm. So like uh, like like it's it's a really like really small town. So like I like the next town over from me is another kind of town called Lancaster and like uh, So like, like, I know about the other yeah. Go but ahead. do you see like the air pollution or like I'm, I'm trying to see like environmentally wise like do, do you see effects like you know in terms no of no I, no no we're we're far from uh we're far from east palestine now i have heard uh, things about like i don't uh, i don't know if it borders uh pennsylvania like it like Lee and the Pennsylvania, I've heard uh, issues about that. By like, I haven't heard anything else. Like any, like in any time I do hear about it, it is from like um, I heard you know Jordan Sheridan uh, reporting on it and uh, the people that uh, Savvy bought on. Uh, but like, like yeah, they don't do like as far as our local news and like our local news. Uh, it was a St. Clair broadcast. Oh. So, yeah, we're kind of screwed on that issue. So, 
Yeah. Well, you have a YouTube like, channel, right? You could go out there, get your little, do the Sammy no, thing. I'm just a listener on YouTube. I'm not actually like, I don't have a channel. I'm just, just a listener. Scotty's like, how are you trying to put me out there like that, Roger? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's oh, what I respect. I respect the sappy enough. Like, I respect anybody who does this type of work because, like, you give up a lot of your am- anonymity and your time. And, <laughs> like, like, we get a, a, a peek in a little bit of your life, but not as much. But, like, yeah, I, I ain't going that far. But, but I, I, that's why I respect you guys enough to actually do it, it's, including you, Roger. Like you've been like one of the more consistent uh, listeners, and like even like prodding people, saying like, you know, what do you guys do this and the third, and like even the whole idea of uh, being um, saying like we need to be workers and not consumers. So I respect uh, respect you guys for doing what you do. So, thank you. That. That's really sweet, Scotty. But yeah, I will. Uh, I will definitely uh, send you that uh, that interview, and so you hopefully you guys can cover it because it's like I said, he does he he does not, and I'm serious, he does not uh, uh, like push back or even like give do follow up questions. About that. And I'm like, I think I think dude, Nick and CJ. I think Nick and CJ already covered that. Um, no, no they, no, they only covered like the the that question about Clarence Thomas. That that question uh, was like maybe a few minutes. Yeah, they only covered that part because like that's all he put out. Because I even said like if you if you type in ALC that David Sirota, it doesn't come up on you. The last thing that comes up is uh, the video from the Vanguard uh, about him complaining about how she doesn't go uh, go on lefty uh, independent media show. And what's funny is he actually ends the interview saying, like, thank you for coming on. And uh, one thing I can say is maybe you should ask your colleagues to start coming on uh, independent left media more let me just let me just add something here really quick because when he says that it's important that that people understand he's not talking about all of left independent media he's talking about that breaking points network which they don't call themselves a network but that's what he's referring to because the lever is a part of breaking points so let me explain to you guys how this this probably even happened in the first place, if I'm just using my imagination. The only person that really had access to them in D.C. like that, we're not counting Rokana because Rokana will, he'll, he'll come on anywhere. Like he really will. I've seen him go, I've seen Rokana go into really small channels. So mm-hmm. the only person that really has that access to them like that is Ryan Grimm which is why Ryan Grimm was added to breaking points because he is the DC bureau chief for the intercept. So now we have our person added to our group that has access to the politicians in DC. See, that's the thing. If breaking points is going to compete with TYT, they have to, at some point have access to the politicians other than Rokana. Let's just be real other than Rokana. So the way that Mm -hmm. you do that, is you add someone to your team that has access to those politicians. So that's why they got Ryan Grimm there 
So they have that. Then you have the writer, which is David Sirota. David Sirota is a, a, a great writer. Then you have uh, the and host. He, he's a screen. Yeah, he's also a screenwriter. Like he got nominated for an Oscar. I think right? that's also another reason. I think that's right. also another has... reason why she finally took the interview because that was before. I think that uh, it was like when he said that it was a little bit before Don't Look Up came out. So the success from the movie probably prompted her like, okay, I have to take this guy seriously. Because if you remember that whole force the vote thing, who did she talk to? Uh, uh, Justin Jackson. Right. She talked to Justin Jackson and thought, you know, hey, this guy's a football player. He probably doesn't know uh, that much uh, he, uh, about politics. Like, I'm well, probably going to school she's, she's, she's responded to Crystal Ball, too. The thing is, she's only going to respond to you if you have a blue check, like a legacy blue check. Yeah. For the most part, she's not going to respond to other people. But the thing is, is that, again, like you said, uh, Davis Rota also has those Hollywood connections, too. So now you got someone mm-hmm. who's a writer. You got someone who has the Hollywood connections. You have someone who has access to the politicians in D.C., Right. Notice you don't see any activists. Notice you don't see that. Notice you don't see anyone doing any type of activism. You don't see anyone doing any type of mutual aid, any of those kind of things. It's this is, only, all, yeah. this is all and about the- access, getting access to people and so that you can grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's that's what TYT did. Like, let's just be real. That's how they got to where they are. And that is how you create a new mainstream, which is what they said they were trying to do, create a new mainstream. So in order to create a new mainstream, you're going to have to have access to people that you may not have had access to when you were just doing independent, you know, raw independent media and stuff like that. So that's the thing. So what I'm saying is, is that AOC is only if she goes into left independent media, she's not going to go onto a channel that she knows is going to push back on her and is going to press her. That's why she went on the lever because she knew that David Sirota wasn't going to do that. Remember when, when Ryan Grimm, remember when I interviewed Ryan Grimm and Ryan Grimm said, we had the same conversation and Ryan Grimm said, well, we're in the works to try to get, you know, at least one or two of, of the squad members to come on to independent media. And I don't mean my show. I mean like someone else's show. That was a couple months ago we had that interview, right? Okay. So uh, you see you see who set it up. That's what I was saying. Like, why, why is Ryan Grimm speaking for that if the person's not coming on his show? Because he is the one with the connection. He's the one with the access. So he's the one to make it happen. So there you go. They're, she, they're not going to go on shows where people are going to press them. She probably won't even go back on TYT, to be honest, because some of the things that they've said about her – like she's not going to go. It's the same thing that happened with Bernie Sanders. Remember when Bernie went on Crystal Kyle and Friends and said he'd only do the interview if Kyle wasn't there? See, they learned a lesson from that. They learned a and lesson that was, from that. And, and, and you that know this. Crazy. And I would have told Bernie Sanders, oh, well, sorry. <laughs> I guess we're not doing this damn interview. But yeah, that's the difference. If you, care, if you care about the access, you're not going to push back on that. And that's the thing. So I think that they learned a lesson from that and was like, okay, we can't criticize them too heavily because then we'll lose access. There you go. Yeah, it, it's uh, all stories. And then when like Crystal did that, like 
You let this guy tell your man tell your man that he's not allowed to interview, and you just let it you happen. <laughs> I'm 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 beginning to think, and just he might have she might have said, and this is just me speculating. She might have said, "Oh fucking, I ain't gonna do it." He might have told her, "Nah, do it. Don't worry about me. Do it anyway." That could have happened. Uh, I would say no, that, but then you no. look at the interview. Uh, yeah, you look at <laughs> you look at the interview. Oh, I didn't watch the interview. No, like he talked. They he talked about it on the show with her, and he said, yep. "You know, well, he actually uh, uh, he actually was uh, saying that they were willing to do the interview. Like he sounded salty. He sounded really salty, oh, okay. and said, like, like, yeah, I like." So when I when I seen that, I'm like, wait a second, your girl allowed this man to come on your show, disrespect your platform by telling you that he's not going to do this interview unless if you're not there. She just let it happen. Really? I'm like, wow. Like, I would rethink. No I, would, you. I would rethink mm-hmm. the marriage proposals. <laughs> Like you were clowning this woman like a few years ago for covering the that uh that balloon story and like getting prank called, and now you mar- you're about to marry her like years later. Like how so, life is a very funny thing. So 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 what so what did Obi Wan say to Chewbacca and what's his name Han Solo when he was talking to Luke Skywalker? Who's more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows the fool? <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's all it's just really strange. Like this space, like you see the whole high school at like atmosphere and clickish nature of it. It's really crazy. Like, but uh, have a good day. Thank you so much, Scotty. Uh, go, go ahead. I was just gonna run a ballot initiative in Ohio. I was just gonna say because the whole let's get Bernie Sanders elected thing anymore isn't a possibility anymore. Like that it's it's that's you know that's a done deal. So now it's like you gotta do something else. It's like if you're gonna if you're gonna build like a network, you're gonna have to have access to politicians in some way, shape or form if you're trying to compete with TYT. That's just the reality of the situation. So if you say you're creating a new mainstream you're going to have to have that access. So what do you do? You add people to your team that are going to help you get that access. Let me go ahead and bring in uh, Lance. This is really funny to me because I think um, a lot of us that are post Bernie's campaign, like we just don't really care to, we don't care to interview anybody from the squad. We just really don't. Go ahead, Lance. Just unmute. Hey, Roger. Hey, Sabrina. Hey. Hello, hello. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so this whole thing you were just talking about, sadly, I don't have a platform to, to talk back, but I've been trying to explain this to Roger, right, when you had that gator guy. He's kind of like a mask. I don't mean to bring him up, but if you have, imagine dealing with 20 gators, literally, literally 20 gators at a time. Now, you know the feature – where, Sab, you're not on this a lot. Roger comes over to the, the peanut gallery of anonymous, us anonymous folks over on Colin, but it's a broader point, right? I'm not, who cares? It's been going on since forever. I've never brought it up before. But it's so apropos, is that 
if you're a spe- if you ban somebody or block them, plan and block them. If you're a speaker, they're blocked from every room you're a speaker in. So I'm I'm essentially blocked and banned because I'm a heterodox thinker. I'm a contrarian and all the rest of it. And so there's 20 people. I call them the sheeple herd. And I won't mention any name, but there are people in the very – and maybe even in this chat who I won't name. It's not that's impolite. Who just would rather go along and get along. Only one other person, his name's Vlad, calls it out besides me. And I don't care if it's someone I disagree with all the time. Anyway, if you're a speaker, you're uh, you anyone that comes into that room is blocked from calling or or uh, or uh, or putting anything in the chat. If you're a speaker in every room, you're a speaker in, and it just means I'm just nullified, and it's easy to, put, to completely shut somebody out, right? Because I'm the same person over there as I am over here. And when you got a bunch of gators, you tend to get like very contrarian in a hurry, and it's like, oh my god, it must this Lance got you know. So that's what happens over there, and it's crazy. And I, but see, the sad part is, this is something that happened. This woman was a ho- okay, she was a holocaust, she was a holocaust denying anti-Semite, which who cares? Okay, she is what she is. I'm, it's not my job to call everybody out. But she went with this Lee Kampfkin, kind of, it's a really weirdo. He's got like, he's an author or something. But anyway, they decided to, uh, like, uh, psychoanalyze me in a very rude way. And she called me the day where I heard a priest. She called me a prick, whatever, whatever. So I got, instead of calling her names back, I did a, I did an Ann Richards, Molly Ivins thing. This, this is a funny point. Now, I'm not just saying this to talk about Lance's personal bullshit on, on calling, but check this out. She took that, which I told this other woman sin about it. She's like, Oh, just like Ann Richards and the Texas ladies. Cause what I did to, to, to switch, she called me that slur and she was all, and I, I wouldn't give it back. I said, thanks for psychoanalyzing me. Someday I'll do it with you. Oh, do it now. Do it now. I said, no, someday we'll be in a room. I didn't want to go back and forth. She, she kept insisting. So I said, okay, fine. You're all an anti-Semite. And then she called, you really are. Pretty. All right. And then I said, Oh, well, darling, sweetheart. And I called her all those names that like Ann Richards and Molly Ivins. Everybody knows that. Okay. What she did is she spread a rumor that Lance is a serial sexual harasser. That was her evidence that I said those terms, which was a polite way to say bad words, right? When, but being totally polite, like these women like to do. I'm, Keep a I'm civil sorry. Con- I'm really confused. Um, I, I'm not sure what this is about. It ha- I had a trial for myself and had 20 people show up so I could defend my, uh, this, this, this thing because a third party person came into the room and said, well, Lance, everybody knows you're a sexual harasser, a serial sexual harasser. So it came back to me. The point that made it important is that people like you, people like Katie, uh, you know, Matt's a little busy, Matt Tiaby right now, but he wanted manuscripts. He was soliciting for certain types of writing. Well, you know, word gets back from responsible, respectful people, only I don't have a platform to fight back. And it's just sad, but true. That just one point. Elon Musk, could I just switch to Matt? I love Matt. But I just want to make that point that it happens on Colin and Roger beware of it is hard because these people put in the civil tongue and they come over here. They sound all polite and they, and they sound real reasonable. The same people that are trashy people over there. But Okay. No, I, mean, I, can't, I, I can't. I can't really control what goes on. In no, 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 no. I just wanted to make the point. I don't expect. That's why I wouldn't even name names. Savvy, if they were right here, I wouldn't name names because why do you care about that? I was just making a general point. Absolutely, Elon Musk. You know, Matt. You know, he's brilliant and he's so smart and he's not young. And I don't understand why he didn't get like what he was doing. Not just in terms of Medi, but Elon Musk. If I could make this point to take a minute, but there's not well, what a lot. Do you, what do you mean he didn't get it? Okay. I, 
it's really strange, and I think it's generational because he's smart. He's as smart as me. He's savvy. He's a brilliant journalist, and I love Matt like a lot. He's like basically my favorite journalist out there, number one. And I still, he still is, you know, and next thing he writes. But how did he not know that Elon Musk even not doing a deep dive on the guy. He has just stepped on and manipulated his image since jump. And people like Dave Chappelle and Joe Rogan were drooling because they each had dinner with him. And, oh, my God, this amazing genius. What the hell do I know? I'm just over here in the, you know, reading stuff. But if you do just a cursory dive, every engineer that was ever close to Musk and every journalist that ever wrote about it, they all say the same thing. There's no glitch in the armor. Anybody that got close to him knows that he he literally would take that initial diamond money, then the PayPal money, and he bought his way into credibility by like literally buying the right to say that he founded or invented stuff that he never did. The thing about Twitter, I said this before, he, I said, uh-oh, Elon's going to run into some problems when he deals with Twitter because he such an asshole on SOB and he's so petty and thin-skinned. Twitter's a public-facing company, not like Tesla or these other things. It's just reporting on Twitter's everybody knows Twitter. And sure enough, and he's been he's been silencing and canceling people on Twitter that he doesn't like. I'm sorry, Matt, but my goodness gracious, how did he not know? I really would have told plus up well, until to be, now, fair, to be fair, he wasn't an employee. This was just no, a no, project. No, I don't mean that. But you have to know that people are gonna you know, they're going to, this is what's going to happen because it's Twitter. So in other words, he's doing great. I'm not even criticizing Matt on any of that. Here's the other thing is that Elon Musk, I said, he'll throw you under the bus the first chance and look what he did within a day. And here's why billionaires don't get to be billionaires without crushing anything and everything. You just don't. And this used to be the case up until the year 2000. In other words, you can say that for every media outlet. Like the thing is, is that, you know, you got to remember Matt at one point did used to work for Rolling Stone. So, I mean, it's you can kind of say that about every media, every mainstream media outlet, to be honest, you know, but and I want to be fair here because I I think we need to also keep in mind that, like, it wasn't just Matt Taibbi who was working on these files. All the other journalists agreed to do this, too. Yeah, but the other thing is, is that what Matt did, and again, I'm not going to go back into this other stuff, is that Matt does what, what, what I do this is what I do, Lance, right? Mia culpas. Matt's willing to admit a mistake, and this is what these, this is what these people will do. If we find one mistake, we can discredit everything you do. What these people do is they lie for years, never admit a mistake, therefore they're scot-free. That's why corporations will admit all these deaths and say, oh, we don't have to officially say it was our fault. As soon as you do that, and how did Matt not, you know, maybe it took me till my 50s to know it. I don't know. This is what they do. He should have known that going in with Mehdi Hassan and MSNBC. It wasn't Rogan or it wasn't, you know, whatever, a three-hour thing. But the other thing is, up, okay, just like you can learn from, like, advertising of the 50s, 60s, oh, look at the advertising. What was, what was selling people, right? So it doesn't mean that the advertising was profound. It means you can learn from it. So when I mention, like, some stupid sitcom like Dobie Gillis, one of the themes, like there's always a few formulas and it is about the billionaire class, the rich people, even the kid's mother who of the rich kid says, oh, you're disgusting. You're such a spoiled brat and everything is fixed for the kid. Everybody was treated like the Monopoly guy who was rich up until around 2000, even Leona Helmsley with, you know, like, like, like uh, taxes are for poor people. What I'm saying is that, okay, this is going to sound corny, but in the 40s, 
in the 40s for a while, there was Ma and Pa Kettle were number one box office. And it was formulaic. They were fun. It was always about fighting the revenue or, or fighting the landlord or fighting the railroad guy who wanted to come and get their house. It was always fighting the, the like, it was very, very like a socialist thing, like Frank Capra. They were number one box office and it was a corny formula. They must have made 20 movies a year. They cashed in then just like they do now. Before that, it was the dead end kids, the Bowery boys and like, uh, Jimmy Cagney and Humphrey Bogart, like major A-list stars would do these movies with the dead end kids. And there was always some like rich woman maybe and who'd fall in love with the, the gangster guy, which was the star, you know, Jimmy Cagney or whoever. The dead-end kids would always have a fight with the kid who came out of the limo. It was the limo kid who got beat up, who, who remembered his boxing lessons from private school and fought back and got cred from the street from the Bowery boy. That's where you got cred. It was never, I'm going to show you how to get into Harvard because I got there. It was never about the limousine kid knowing what the hell was going on. Rich people have been out of touch since forever. And it's a really important, even though it's like, well, these are corny movies and formulaic and advertising. It doesn't matter. It says what we said. You always know that these people are out of touch. People that are born into billionaire families, they either have to buy into that too. Well, it wasn't their fault. No, but you have to buy in or leave because you can't say, you know what? I'm going to take my share and I'm going to start like a co-op and I'm going to be a socialist and I'm going to, you know, try to hire and elect. Uh, look at what happened to FDR. Yeah, but I think I, I think FD, FDR. I, I think we're getting. Persona, I, I, I get yeah, but, where you're coming from, but yeah, I, but I FDR FDR was one of the patricians. FDR was persona right. non grata at Sagamore Hill because he was such a lefty commie. So right, they will get they will they will eat their own. And Musk and all these billionaires. When are we going to wake up? They will all they will all screw over their own family because they never know if they want their money or not. Let alone people right, but like this. This does not involve. This doesn't involve money. I just want to be very clear because I don't want people to get the wrong no it's who who elon musk is because he's a multi multi billionaire and you don't get there without crushing everybody in front of you can you let me can you let me yeah i get that We, we i think we all get that the thing that i'm trying to say is i don't want people to have the perception that this was a paid assignment this wasn't paid assignment matt has made that very clear in multiple interviews which is probably why he agreed to take it on because it wasn't like he was an employee so to speak so I just wanted I wanted to just make that part clear. The problem is, though, in some way, shape or form, all of us, if we're working, all of us may not directly, but all of us work for a billionaire or millionaires in some way, shape or form. If you work at Walmart, guess who you really work for? You really work for the Waltons. If you work at Amazon, you're really working for I forget the new CEO name of uh, Amazon now, but you're really working for for them. Like, this is the problem. And the way that you break away from that fully is to start worker co-ops. That's how you do that. You break away from that fully. Uh, but other than that, if if you work at a McDonald's, if you work at a Target, in some way, shape, or form, you are still working for the millionaire or the billionaire. And they're the ones that set the policies. They're the ones that decide Okay, yes, we're going to give health insurance to only full-time employees and not to part-time employees. You see what I'm saying? But but, but if I couldn't, but if I could push back, and, and again, I, I like Matt Tebby a lot, lot. I think he's literally, he's a number one journalist going right now, the way he writes. I've actually, before I even knew who Matt Tebby was, I love writing with like really uh, like essay and not, not so much dry and all, I love it and I love him now. But 
it, it, I, I'm sorry, but if the guy says, but you, what about Elon Musk and you, do you like him and all that? My attitude would be, look, if Hitler's right hand man has real information, I'm going to, I'm going to take that information for the cause of, uh, <laughs> putting down the Nazi. In other words, it doesn't matter whether I love him or hate him. And the idea that Matt was saying, well, I like Elon. No, I don't want to criticize him on Modi. No, that was weak and it was feckless and it was stupid. I don't care how much I love Matt Taibbi. You're going against Matt. And by the way, by the way, this is true. You can look it up. I'm sorry. Mehdi Hassan said, I want to have you on specifically to talk about what Modi and India are doing. And why can't you just say, hey, I don't care about Elon Musk one way or the other. You can skirt the question professionally. I could have told him that, and I'm not Matt Taibbi. Okay? I would have well, said, well, I think, tell him I that. Think he, I, I totally get no, where I mean, you're coming from. Like, I would have well, answered that question differently, but I think Matt gave his honest opinion. Well, no, but you don't go on MSNBC and Mehdi Hassan when you know you have a billionaire who will crush you like he did. I could have told – I'm sorry, Shabby, but I did predict this. I said Elon Musk will fuck over Matt Taibbi the first chance he gets, and within a day he did it. I predicted something. I'm sorry. I, I might be just a Mr. Nobody out here, but no, Matt handled that – Horribly, and I, I, it bothers me more because I love the guy. So literally, I love what he does. I love his humanity. You know what I mean? How you can kind of know someone. He's a very loving, caring, wonderful, beautiful human being. There's no question about all that. But you got to have your backbone up or something when you go on that show, and you've got to be able to say, Elon Musk. It's immaterial whether I like. It's none of your business whether I like him. Just like it's none of your business whether whoever my source is. Not that he would say that because it would say it was Elon. You know, he was so private about that. I'm not going to tell you my source, but he's going to openly say, Ah, oh, I like the guy. It doesn't matter if you hate him or like him. He was made the specific point about that liking him when he was using the example, which was a phony, false equivalency about like what the CIA, like Cy, I think it was Cy Hirsch saying about the CIA. Yeah. You don't have to like the spook. You could think that the spook is a double agent who's going off and doing torture program, but he's got a great thing on surveillance. You don't care. You don't have to love the guy or hate the guy or anything in between. And I'm sorry, Matt's smart enough to know that. I'm still going to criticize him for that. You know, I, I, he's yeah. smart enough. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying in reference to that. I think my, you know, my answer would have been different, but, um, but I think that, Again, I don't think um, I don't think Matt went on there expecting Medi to be fair, but I don't think he was expecting it to be a debate and for for Medi to talk over him and not let him talk and stuff like that. Right, the queue's getting longer. I'll I'll stop with this. And the thing is, like I said, I love the guy and all that stuff. And he's a Democrat. He said that he doesn't vote. I think that's a good thing as a journalist. I don't know. I he's think he's not he a Democrat anymore. No, but he was. So my point is, and that's fine. That's fine. He's not. I'm a lot more far to the left. I've been not a Democrat since Clinton era or whatever. Fine. I'm not criticizing him for that. My point is, though, even though he's not trying to be any more than Glenn Greenwald ever called himself a liberal or a lefty, he's a straight shooting, you know, person. I could criticize him, too. But so what? They never claim to be anything other than. And but but when but when Matt does that. He opens up the whole side of good-hearted people on the, that are generally on the left to be destroyed. So he's not doing us. I'm sorry, Matt. If he was my buddy and I was having a beer, I'd get over it. But I'd be saying, man, you really fucked us up in a way by not coming off stronger because now you're going to open up a whole can of worms for criticism on the left. And I, I still love the guy as much tomorrow as today, but I'm sorry. He effed up. In the hmm. I still think they should have brought on other people. Like, I think, uh, again, I think Mehdi Hassan should have brought Elon Musk on, to be honest. Well, right. Or he could have said, hey, Mehdi, because Mehdi's gone on shows. Mehdi has gone on Rogan, I think, hasn't he? I don't know. 
I know that Gupta has. Some of these people do. If he's ever been on a show, what Matt should have said, okay, there will be guests on a neutral show on Rogan for a second. He should have gone to equal time. He should have made sure that Maddie came to at least a neutral court to talk to Matt about MSNBC's shit. And he didn't try to get that quid pro quo back. Then he could have denied it and said, I'm not going on your show if you won't come and talk to me, Ferret Square. He could have done that, too, and I thought of that ahead of time. I don't know. Matt's got people around him. I'm just little old Lance over here by himself, and I could have schooled Matt in about six ways from Sunday, I'm sorry to say, and I'm sorry to sound like you know, arrogant about it, but I could have. He, he, he could have done so many different things with this. Knowing it's Twitter and it's Elon Musk and it's MSNBC, you're dealing with the major major league assholes. You're not dealing with like call-in assholes like I deal with or people on the left that Jimmy Dore doesn't like you or loves you, but these Vosh uh, or whoever. You got you to gotta, you gotta up your game when you're going to play in the, in the major majors. I'm sorry. Interesting points there, Lance. Interesting points. Um, yeah, I mean, these are all things to think about. I think for me, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think if it were me, I don't think I would have gone on there. I think Mediasan's an asshole. And uh, my <laughs> my uh, female angst would have came out <laughs> for sure. Um, but I, I hear where you're coming from. I hear where you're coming from. All right, let's go ahead and bring in uh, Maria. What's going on, Maria? Oh, well, good evening. Good evening. Well, nice to hear from you. Right well, back at you, and thank you, Roger. Thank you for your contributions tonight. It's always good to hear from you, too. Thank you. Happy um, Easter. Yeah, happy Easter. Yeah, that's the third time I've heard that today. Not that it means much to me because my kid is all grown up and I consider it a holiday for kids. But anyhow, I, I, I just, there hasn't been any mention yet that I have heard about uh, America This Week episode of Matt Taibbi and Walter Kern. Uh, that came out Friday night, Saturday morning. I watched it yesterday, and the title, the title of that episode is Fuck MSNBC. <laughs> so, basically, you know, the chemistry between Walter Kern and Taibi is just amazing, because... Going through their conversation about the Medi interest or interview, yeah, Taibi said, I'm way too nice. I know that. And I, as a journalist, I expect when I'm invited to be interviewed that uh, there's, I'm being interviewed by somebody that's going to operate, at least for the most part, as a good faith actor. Uh and he, he is just explicitly saying he's, com you know, consistently let down, consistently let down by his good faith in, in having other people. But he's, he said, I would be remiss to decline those interviews because I, I, there's, there would be a missed opportunity to perhaps further disseminate the the what the value of the content that I've been disclosing 
So I don't know if we'll get an America This Week response to Twitter stuff uh, next week because Matt Taibbi is trying to be on vacation this week. Trying to. (laughs) So... But, but he did he did on his substack last night make a quick note clarifying I've never been an employee of substack I'm my own boss and that's exactly why I went to the platform my employers are my subscribers um, yeah. so and you know his bow out of Twitter was a good faith thing. It didn't have any positive or negative connotations. It just said, I can't post my articles, links to my articles here. I don't want to post my articles directly here. So I'm going back to home base where I can do that and I won't operate on Twitter anymore. I mean, you know what I just thought about? Yeah. In the very beginning of the Twitter files, when we were told that it had to be posted on uh, Twitter first. This was all yeah. a, a precursor to what was eventually to come. That Elon wanted people, which included some of these Substack writers, to post their articles on Twitter instead of Substack. Well, could be. That could have been the motivation. And Matt Taibbi said he was very wary of posting on Twitter, but you know, after he put more thought into it, he thought it was kind of a genius idea is to rat Twitter out on Twitter. Uh, so he, he, he bought into that and he thought it was actually very clever, which it is. But, you know, if, if Twitter is not a platform for his professional work, and it doesn't work that way. He bowed out. And it was a very simple statement. And the Elon Musk replied with that three-point whatever. It was immediately fact-checked and should have been dismissed or whatever. But, of course, everybody catches wind of that. And, of course, it's, it's so scandalous. And they're at war with each other. No, they aren't. It, that or at least that hasn't happened. I mean, it was a very simple exchange. You know, there's like a two, three tweet exchange, and the, you know everybody else's reaction to it is what's putting all the fuel on the fire. What do you, uh, what do you mean, um, um, people saying they're at war? Oh yeah, uh, just Google new. Just Google. Taibi and Elon and click on the news filter and you know oh, it's no, like they, oh well no they are um I covered this earlier tonight on my show they they absolutely are Elon Musk after Matt Taibi made that statement about not being able to post like the Substack links etc and that he's going to stay on Substack Elon Musk unfollowed Matt Taibi then he went on and made that statement saying that he's an employee at Substack that he said that Matt Taibbi's statement was false, which it was not false. We did the whole test Friday night on my show. Matt was 100% correct. Those Substack links were centered or were censored. You couldn't click on the link and you couldn't even like the links. It was taking the likes away right. as soon as you clicked on it. So that was actually false, what Elon said. And then when Elon went on to say that he works, he's an employee at Substack, that was also false. Elon must knew exactly what he was doing. He was trying to smear Matt Taibbi. And then he went on and he censored Matt Taibbi. 
So even now, I tried it again while we were on this call in. If you still try to go look for his tweets, like if you go to his page, like obviously you see it, but if you go to search and you try to find his tweets, all you'll see is everyone else's tweets that mention his name, but you won't see any of Matt's tweets unless you go on his page. I, I get it. I get it. Um, you know, Elon Musk posted his three-tiered, you know, objection. All three tiers of his points were immediately fact-checked and proven inaccurate, uh, you know, or just blatant falsehoods, really. Um, so, uh, but if anybody's going to perpetuate this, it's, it's probably not going to be Matt. And if he does, it, it's going to be a minute because he's trying to be on vacation right now. But, I, you know, people just taking a bone and running with it when it doesn't have to be anything more than it is. I mean, why, why would Taibi care if he's severing ties anyway? Why, why should he care? Because he's walking. I mean, so what does he care what happens to, on Twitter with this profile? I don't just think he does. He, just because you walk away from something doesn't mean you don't care. I mean, he did put a lot of work into this project and he took a lot of beatings for doing this project. So that doesn't mean he doesn't care just because he's like, okay, I'm going to walk away from this, you know? And I also think that Elon Musk needs to be held accountable here. Like I said, during those congressional hearings, they brought in Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger. I have yet to see them question Elon Musk and it's his platform. I don't see Elon Musk being interviewed on Mehdi Hassan's uh, show. And while all these journalists were getting punched in the face, Elon Musk just kind of sat there quietly. And and then he threw Matt Taibbi under the bus. He unfollowed Matt Taibbi. He is still following Michael Schellenberger. We went through all this on, on my show. He made a statement. Ah, well, I, I'm a, I apologize for not being present for that. I just... I mean, for Matt Taibbi's sake, I, I I don't know. We won't know what his reaction is probably for a minute. He's probably trying to do peace of mind stuff right now. But um, the problem is Elon just switches back and forth. Like, he'll just change his mind at the drop of a hat. He'll say, Twitter's going to start doing this now. Oh, nope, I changed my mind. I'm not going to do that now. Like, he just goes with the wind. And the thing is, like when you have a massive platform like like Twitter and you start telling people, all of you who are legacy blue checks, you're going to have to subscribe to Twitter blue if you want to keep that check. Not thinking about the outward that that would come from people. Don't look at me. I don't have a blue check. But then also to tell other people who probably can't even afford it. Some of these people can't afford to pay $11 a month or whatever it is now. You need to subscribe to Twitter blue. Otherwise, your tweets are going to be suppressed. No, this yeah. is just a way for him to make money. No other platform. Look, Facebook doesn't make us pay. Granted, not as many people are active on Facebook anymore, but we don't have to pay on Facebook. I don't have to pay on Telegram. I don't have to pay on Instagram. I don't have to pay on TikTok. And he's charging people monthly fees, and I just feel really bad. I'm like, listen, a lot of these people on this platform are working class people. Not everybody can afford to give you $11 a month. For some people, that's, that's eggs. That's bread and milk for their family. And so, and, then, and another form of censorship. Exactly. So again, it's just like I still haven't paid for Twitter uh, blue subscription. Fuck that. Like I'm not trying to have another bill. 
And, and then two, like, it's really not, I've said this before. I have no shame in saying this. If it were not for me doing my show, I probably would not even be on Twitter, period. Because it was Twitter that actually helped those of us at RBN get the word out that we were doing a show. That's actually how we were able to grow is because we were on Twitter letting people know, hey, you know, here are our videos. We're doing this. We're doing that. That's what Twitter was, you know, really for the most part for, at least for me. But other than that, I w- there's really no reason for me to, I don't even look at my DMs half the time. Right, right. And I try to keep myself in check for, you know, I am, I am insensitive and desensitized to the value of Twitter. I have an account, which I've checked four or five times in the last, I don't know, eight years. Um, And the only reason I ever use it is to go on and follow somebody just to show you know, support for what they're doing. And then I, I log out and I'm done. I don't, I don't hang out there at all. So I, I am a bit insensitive when it comes to people placing value on Twitter. What do you mean by value? As, as a presence in their lives and, you know, important to, messages, voices, sending business messages, promoting businesses. I I just, I have no way to really relate to that because I simply, it, it doesn't have the va- that value for me. And as Sean was pointing out, I, I think a lot of those things really are detractors from building social capital in actual real world life. And like you referenced, organizing. Uh, so I don't know. I, I just don't have a positive view of gen- uh, Twitter and a lot of social media in general. Hmm. Well, I can definitely I can definitely understand you there. I, it's interesting. I feel like Twitter is toxic, and I feel like Facebook is unrealistic. I feel like Facebook is like full of rainbows and puppies and butterflies and flowers everybody's having a great day all the time and everybody's like look at me i just spent all this time with my kids and i made these muffins and we went to the beach and i went to work girl boss (laughs) (laughs) i'm like shut up you ain't do all that shit (laughs) you probably made those muffins yesterday (laughs) yeah i hear you i hear you so I think I'm done, but if you have access and opportunity, catch catch that America This Week with Walter Kern and Matt Taibbi titled Fuck MSNBC, because it's, it's worth an hour of your time. I, I, it was worth an hour of my time, I should say. Is it, on, is it on YouTube, or do you know? It's on Substack. It's on Matt's Substack. Okay, I probably got the email in there somewhere then. I'll check it out. All righty. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thanks for calling in, Maria. Okay, Joe, you are on the mic. Hey there. How's it going? Looks like I got connected a-okay. Everyone, can you hear me good? We can hear you. Awesome. So I'm going to start with a couple lighthearted things. I saw Roger in chat calling out Bruce Wayne and Tony Stark. Yeah, 
they're rich assholes. We shouldn't be idolizing those guys. Uh, we should be looking to heroes like Hawkeye, Luke Cage, Heroes for Hire. That's those are the folks the we need to be. Peter on. Parker, working class. Yeah, Peter I Parker's got pay rent. Yeah, Hawkeye is just a guy with a bow and arrow, and Tony Stark's got the, all that tech. Yeah, Hawkeye. Hawkeye worked for uh, Shield though, bro. Yeah, yeah, he's not perfect, but you know he tries. Damn. Anyway, I just want to. I just want to add this really quick here for people who are not familiar with Marvel. These are not real people in real life. <laughs> just saying. That. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. The, the whole context could be context could be lost on people unfamiliar, um, and I'm actually again kind of lighthearted, based on his voice and his speech patterns. I'm convinced that Lance is actually a burner account for Mark Hamill. Um, but what? <laughs> and, anyway, no, no. He just kind of sounded like him. Like his voice sounded like him, and kind of the same speech patterns as Mark Hamill. So it's got to be his burner account. Um, okay. Yeah. Anyways, uh, back to the, when I originally tuned in, somebody was talking about, uh, the matrix and humanity and all that. And, uh, tangential to that, I think it'd be good to go take a look at Doug Rushkoff and team human. That's another great lens to look at things. Uh, Hmm. and do I have your permission to use some colorful language? Go for it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to call out everybody in the room here tonight. Y'all motherfuckers need to look into parasocial relationships and really, really sit down and reflect at where you're investing your emotional energy into. I respect Sabrina. I respect Roger. I respect everybody in here and who is out there like putting themselves, you know, being a public figure uh, and all that. But like as much as you like them and as much as you respect them, they're not your buddies. They're not your friends. It's don't put them on pedestals. Again, I think I link all my friends to your stuff, Sabby, because again, I trust you and I think you're awesome, but I'm always reluctant to put somebody on a pedestal. So, but Mm. um, good advice. even even you and, and as much as I like and respect what you do, I you know you could really like stomping puppies in your free time. I don't know that <laughs> nobody does. Nobody knows what any of us do in our free times. So just stop putting people on pedestals. Bottom line, um, I said that a few months ago. Yeah. So <laughs> not that she's not, uh, not not she's stomping puppies, but what you're saying. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, in terms of Rokana, I am convinced that, like, in a narrative purpose, he's just like the sacrificial lamb that they send out onto the, like, the lefty media to just take a beating. <laughs> that's, that's his role. That's, that's the job he has. Simple as that. Um, I think I think he's doing it because he wants to run for president in 2028. Oh yeah, that's that's definitely. Oh yeah, so he's got to take his lumps. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry to bounce around. I actually wrote down notes, and it's on a couple of um, paper pieces. You of start paper. calling him Roku. <laughs> <Here>. <laughs> 
Oh man, you guys got jokes. Doesn't he? Doesn't he vote for coups? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Let's get that one trending. Um, again, going back to the gentleman who was talking about the Matrix, they're definitely thematically correct. Um, because Orwell, long before the Matrix, was writing about the belly of the whale and how you know we're all lulled into that comfort there. So he's definitely thematically correct. I one hundred percent. Um, to the parasocial thing and Matt Taibbi, like he's either very brave or very stupid to walk through a field of rakes in order to deliver a message. Um, good for him. It's good that he tried. Um, let's see. I think the last thing that I really want to touch on is, um, I did, in fact, pull papers to run for city council in Worcester. Um, And, yeah, it's getting really, really weird right out the gates. Like, I'm, like, just interacting with some of the other candidates. Um, And I know that Roger is all about ballot initiatives, and we all know that electoral politics are just crap. But looking at the current city council here, uh, there's just no way that I can let that, um, where is here? Oh, Worcester, Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 Massachusetts people on this call. Yeah, I know there's a lot. Um, but like, I understand the, I understand the, and I 100% agree with Roger and his ballot initiatives, but you know, at the same time, we kind of need some idiot who's willing to go in there and get their teeth kicked in to just carry a message of some of the 11 demands. Like right now, I've got a very basic rudimentary setup for people for a landing page because um, I'm running unenrolled. So neither Democratic or Republican, I can't rely on either for funding. So I got to do things my own. And right now I just got a little tiny landing page that redirects to Eric's 11 demands. And it's like, here, hold me accountable to these. Um, it's, I'll uh, keep you guys updated with how things go. Right now I'm just collecting signatures. Um, so, yeah. I'll, uh, here, Joe. I'm sure Eric is happy to hear you keeping up with his demands. I, I want, I like, seriously, I want that to be one of the things that like the guide, like big picture guiding principles. I need to, one of the criticisms that I've gotten in talking to people is I am too, I'm looking too much at the big picture and national politics and how it's like trickling down and like the 40th order effects of our city. And I'm too focused on that. So I need to find a way to, I need to dial in on the local politics more um, there you go. Stuff now like that. Talking. Right. That's right, Joe. I'm proud of you. Yeah, there it's. There, there was a, uh, there was a house, uh, you know, house music. There, there was a house song in the early '90s called "Stomp." And okay. Stomp. Yeah, that's the idea. So that's what I'm telling you. That's All the right. idea. <laughs> well, uh, spoiler: if I win. Um, the song Na 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 by My Chemical Romance will be my victory song. 
Uh, okay. Look that up. Just stay away from Eliza Blue, according to Kit. All right. I don't know who that is, so I think I'm safe. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'll catch you all later. All right. All righty. Sabrina, I want to answer your question. You asked Lewis a while ago, why do you think that singling out uh, Mac? Maybe it's because he's um, a legacy reporter. You see what I'm saying? Because, I mean, I don't know if some might may know, but his his dad, I used to watch back back in the eighties. He he was he was an anchorman, you know, mm-hmm. CBS News with with Mike Taibbi. You know what I mean? So maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know if Schellenberg and Weiss is, are legacy as well, but there's it's kind of like an established line between Matt and Mike. You know, that's a good dad, point. Dad and son. That's a good point. Yeah, I know Barry used to work at the New York Times. But um, the funny thing about My Chemical uh, Romance, are those guys even still around? I forgot about those guys. My Chemical Romance, they come around the same time as like Fall Out Boy and what happened to those bands? Hmm. What's going on, T. Jasmine? Hello. Are you hearing me? I can hear you. Okay. Good, good, good. Um... Your stream was, I got part of, I caught part of your stream tonight um, on YouTube. It was really, really good. So I'm glad I caught that. Cause, oh, thank um, you. I try. Yeah. I. It's good that you have receipts. I had no idea that they really shut down um, Substack like that. I'm so glad I covered that on Friday because honestly, if I would have waited and said, you know what, I think I'm going to do that Sunday, it would have been all messed up. All my receipts would have been gone. Yeah, that's excellent because do you usually go on, uh, to be honest with you, I don't keep up the times. Do you you really with um, how people do their podcasts, but do you usually go on Fridays? Yeah. I always go on uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was good that you were on on Friday then. It just worked out that way, definitely. Because if I would have waited like one more day, then it would have been like, oh, never mind. (laughs) We can't test this out on here now because apparently it's working. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, You know, I saw somebody on, because he's still on it, you know, Mehdi Hassan. He's still on, um, even after... Taibi left Twitter. He's still on um, talking about this and that and how it's not a small thing that um, it's not a small error and all of this. So somebody asked him, let me see what the person asked him. Somebody asked him a simple question. The person asked him, um, what do you think about, are you hearing me still? Let me make sure that you're hearing me still. Yeah, I can hear you. Hear you. Yeah, so the person asked him, so more importantly, what are your thoughts of the FBI influencing social media and free speech? And here his reply. Personally, I think the FBI should stop badgering Twitter with with flagged tweets. Waste of time and money and looks bad. Is the FBI FBI center or Twitter following following FBI order? No, IMSA, IMSA. Is that evidence of censoring, censoring or Twitter? Twitter is, Twitter is following FBI order and can batter Twitter. 
So ask me, I ask me, I end of service, service. If a term violation, violation occurs, etc. That's what it's. I don't know if you understand, but understand because I speak. Oh, I think for whatever reason, it's um, when you're speaking, it's coming through twice for some reason. Try, try it again now. Uh oh. I think we lost Jasmine. You, 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 you lost me? Are you hearing me now? I can hear you. I can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, clearly somebody told him that, you know, he's doing, like, what does he think of FBI censoring social media, people on social media? And he's saying FBI is just badgering social media. Anybody can badger Twitter. Is that um, tantamount to FBI censoring Twitter tweets? And he's like, no. He's behaving as if FBI doesn't have coercive power. As if the FBI is not a government institution with coercive power. Um, He's acting as if it's just any old body just going on Twitter and saying, oh, censor that person. We don't like what that person is saying. This is just a suggestion. That's what Mehdi Hassan is doing. Yeah, I totally hear where you... Yeah, I totally hear where you... Um, um, Oh, no, I have an echo. No, I have an echo. Oh, no. No. Oh, um... Okay. All right, there it's gone. Um, I'm going to wrap up here in about 10 minutes, guys, just FYI. But um, I did want to say, like, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Like, you know, Mehdi Hassan, like, he was just being a complete ass, I thought, in that interview. And I really do think that, like, oh, man, I don't know. Like, I told Eric, I was like, maybe he shouldn't have done that interview, man. Like, maybe he just shouldn't have done it at all. But then you know what else? Then if he didn't do it, then people would have been like, oh, he didn't want to do it. He's 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 weak or, you know, he's scared. He's intimidated. I felt like he would have got criticized either way. But I wonder, I wonder how that interview would have went if let's just say Mehdi Hassan had that same interview with Michael Schellenberger, you know, how, how do you guys think, do you think it would have gone the same way? Mehdi is very combative and he, he picks on little things. Um, maybe it would have gone that same maybe it wouldn't have. One thing I can tell you about um, Matt Taibbi is that he's a, he doesn't think things through when it comes to, having certain like he's not very thorough when he's thinking about the how somebody else would respond to what he's putting out because if you watched um um brianna's um rising i think she did something on rising regarding what the regarding basically she she did something regarding the argument that Mehdi hassan had and the one thing that would have bailed Matt out as if he simply said, you know what, doesn't matter um, whether I like Musk or not. The same thing that Lance said pretty much. Brianna made the point and she made a really good point. It doesn't matter if I like um, Lance or not. Um, sorry, not Lance. Who the hell is Lance? It doesn't matter if I like Musk or not. What matters is that he gave me something of value and that's what's important. Just, just 
leave the whole thing. I like Elon Musk out of it. It doesn't matter because Elon Musk is not consistent. Just say what he gave me was was really, really important, and that's all that he needs to say. I think, and that would have bailed him out. I think that's a really good point. Let just to. To, to bring it back to the information that was given to you and take the focus off of the Elon Musk uh, situation. Um, at the same time, when you're in it though, like when it's live, sometimes there may be things that you don't think about at that time, but you think about it after the fact. Like there's been times I know like um, other people that have done debates before, they've told me about this. Like they've done debates and then afterwards they're like, oh shoot, I should have said this instead of that, you know? So I think that that's part of it too. But I don't think that Matt is a combative person. And I think when you have someone who is combative, like Mehdi Hassan, who is kind of swinging at Matt the way that he was swinging at him, I don't know if Matt knows how to punch back the same way that Mehdi punches. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. It's when you're not a combative, it's, it's really hard to, 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 you're right. You're right. It used to happen to me when I was a kid in school, you know, there would be people who liked to argue and I just couldn't keep up. But, mm-hmm. um, especially in the moment when somebody comes out with something fiery. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's like that, but Mehdi Hassan made himself, he has a lot of people in his circle who are lauding him, even John Stewart. I saw John Stewart lauding him and, and AOC coming out and saying, look at that. Um, imagine the Republicans made a whole thing about something that's fake or false or whatever. Like they're using small, small, tiny, non-important things to, sort of like wash away the entire thing. Um, that's, that's to me, the real problem. That's the real problem. Yeah. And by the way, that shows you guys something like for AOC and um, John Stewart, all of them to come at him like that. I mean, this is just a fucking shit lib crowd. That's all it is. Like John Stewart, like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. He's been right on some of the worker issues and things like that. But at the end of the day, he's still a fucking shit lib. He ain't running on with nothing over on me. Tell you what, you see when John Stewart came out and he was going, um, let's do this for the veterans and that for the veterans, I was like, you know what, I don't like that guy. I don't like that guy because if all you're recognizing is the people who are paid to go, I know people think of them as heroes, but all you're recognizing are, are people who are paid to go over and slaughter other people mm-hmm. and you're caring for them. Does he speak for the people who are victims of, 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 of American imperialism and American war crimes? Does he speak for them? Yeah, I was like, I don't like that guy. I don't care. It's not a, it's not a human rights issue. He's, going, he's, 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 he's trying to get things for them, I'm sure, but I don't care. I don't like across the table from like two freaking warmongers from Hillary Clinton and from Condoleezza Rice. And he didn't even push back. There's a reason why they got that interview. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to sit down with anyone who's going to push back on, call them out for like their freaking warmongering. He just sits there and nods his head because, and they'll do that interview with him because they know that when it comes to the foreign policy, he don't know much of this shit. So the, so the, what is he? He's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I understand. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Made himself look stupid. He made himself look dumb. I hope he got that. Everybody thought he looked so dumb talking to those, um, two murderers. 
and giving them a tongue tongue bath as Jimmy Jordan. Can, can I ask I a question? You. Well, thank you so much um, for calling in, Jasmine. Um, thank you. I got ten. Thank you. I got ten minutes left. Um, Roger, I, I come back to you last. I want to make sure I get everybody else that hadn't had a chance to speak yet. Let me bring in um, Jenny, and then we'll go to Bad Cookies case, and we'll end with Bryce. What's going on, Jenny? Oh, this has been such a great show, and I've been following the story really closely. If you'll refer back to the hearing that happened on Capitol Hill, the behavior of some of the questioners on the Democrat side really reminded me of Hassan's tactics during that interview. And while they're all high-fiving themselves, oh, we owned Matt, we owned Michael, you know, um, to me, they just look hyper-aggressive, ruthless, and we're not willing to listen to the facts. And I think the same thing about this MSNBC interview. And while I do think Matt did not do as well as he could have or should have, um, his true gift is with the written word. And those posts he wrote on Substack the next day were so good. And I didn't watch the Walter Kern interview, but it sounds like it was the same sort of tone. And any fair-minded person can look at the whole big picture and, and say that, you know, Hassan is pointing at these little tiny glitches in Matt's reporting as if that's the whole story. Well, the whole story is we have all these intel agencies telling Twitter and all social media who they can have on, what, what people can be platformed, who needs to be silenced, ghosted, and suspended. And I'm someone who is suspended for my activism on Twitter. I'd like to get my account back. And if you look at Elon and how he purchased Twitter, we had months of tit for tat. Will he do it? Won't he do it? And then at the end of the day, he's getting sued into doing it because he'd made some promises and signed some contracts. And now he's got Twitter. And what do I do with this thing? You know, well, I guess I'm going to just fire everybody and open up the Twitter files. I mean, these are all really unanticipated moves by most of the people. And I personally think the way that the Twitter files have unfolded has been brilliant to bring in all of these variety of uh, journalists who've got various platforms and, and voices to just share their take on it. And Sabi, there was something you said earlier that I don't think is true. He, they were told, yes, you have to put this out on Twitter first, but then within six hours, they were allowed to share their own personal Twitter files on whatever platform they wanted. And most of them are on Substack, so that's where they shared it. But it was only a six hour lag time. And they were allowed to share that. And it really helped, I think, up all of their overall uh, trends and people joining and subscribing. This is something one of those people on Capitol Hill pointed to as being problematic. I think it was uh, oh, that gal from Florida. What's her name? She was saying, how much money have you made from this? How many subscribers have you gotten on Twitter and on your Substack? As if, as if journalists making money is a problem. Debbie you know? Wasserman Show. Yeah, I didn't. I yes. didn't. I don't remember. um I don't remember Matt's being on his Substack that fast after that first Twitter file dropped. I think they could be on it that fast, but perhaps he didn't do it that fast. I don't quote me okay. on that, but I'm almost positive I saw six hours later. You can put this wherever you want, but um, be that as it may, the important thing is the drops, the information in the content, how much the American people were messed with around our elections because of these intel agencies getting in our business. And I, I'm going to make a prediction. This is what I think is going to happen. Because with Elon, again, you see this kind of back and forth and back and forth. And we're picking a fight with these people. And, oh, we're over here doing something else. I personally think he and Matt probably planned this situation to up the visibility, to get us all talking about it. And that at the end of the day, he's going to buy Substack, maybe even call in, maybe even locals. 
Truth Social, some of these other platforms and bundle them together. He's already indicated that's what he plans to do with Twitter is create one big social media hub where people wait can minute, make money. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You think that you you think that Matt and Elon planned this feud? Yes. Really? That's what that's what Elon does. That's what Elon does. It's a business tactic. He's got everybody talking about him this weekend. We're doing it right now. Why are we doing it? It's because we love Matt. We love Matt. Everybody I don't know. Matt. I don't. Matt. Matt don't seem too too happy about all this right now. <laughs> uh, look at his body language. You know, he's like, okay, I'm I'm mad at Elon. I'm going on vacation. And then you hear one more little thing on his Substack. He posted a couple of things today. You know, I'm off from vacation because I have to address this. You know, I, sometimes in the business world, and Elon, at the end of the day, he's a businessman. In the business world, they were create drama to just get people's eyes on their new product. And so we know that Elon wants to create a bigger social media platform with lots of spaces brought in as a comprehensive one-stop situation. That's what I think is going to happen. That's just my gut take. I don't have any proof, but I just think this is for optics. Interesting. Okay, let's let's move on. Thank you so much, Jenny, because I only got a couple minutes. Uh, bad cookies. One, two, three, go. Oh, bad cookies is gone. I don't know what happened there. Let's go ahead and bring in... Uh, Bryce, just got to unmute. Hey, hey, Sabby. Hey, Roger. Hello. What's up, Case? Uh, I want to, like, just uh, uh, touch on the issue of, like, uh, internet uh, censorship and how long this has been a fight. Uh, I remember, like, uh, pe- uh, signing petitions for, like, the SOAP and the CISPA bill. This is back, like, 2010, and, you know, this was under Obama. And I just want to, like, you know, let people know that it, <laughs> this has been, like, an ongoing thing. For like a long time and to see it like you know actually start to happen is pretty daunting to me right now so yeah i'm a lot of a lot of information has been revealed right yeah yeah definitely maybe too much information has been revealed and uh <laughs> i think a lot of people are not happy about the information that has come out uh, let's go ahead and pivot to Case. Case Study QB, unmute. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Much love, Bryce. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. We can hear, hear you. Case, Case, are you on vacation too? Girl, I've been on out with my kids who are like taking up all my time. They are on spring break all week. So I haven't been able to touch Twitter. <laughs> That's good. But, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a nice taking a little break from MSM for a little while, to be honest with you. But I feel like I got to catch up. But I've only been watching independent media. I've only been watching you and a couple other of my favorite independent media spots. But um, this probably Tuesday night, I'm going to be getting back to checking that, um, doing my clips and everything. But um, I know you 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 on your last five minutes or so. So um, I just wanted to talk real quick about the media sign and. Um, Matt Taibbi situation, and I still got to watch the whole clip. That's how much my kids have been taking up my time. But from what I saw, I think that it is disappointing that Medi focused on those small errors that uh, Matt had. And what I mean, and whether it's small or maybe they were big, the, the point is people make mistakes. And as long as Matt Taibbi comes out and says, hey, you know, this was a mistake, I like to come out and correct it, which I saw uh, from what I understand he did do on Twitter, um, I think that's fine. I, I wish, and I, like you all said, when you're in the interview and you're trying, you, you, I'm the type of person that I would think 
later, like two days later, a week later, I'm like, man, I should have said this. So I'm not blaming Matt at all. But I wish somebody would confront somebody on MSNBC and Medis, especially Medis, since he's confronting Matt about this, about Rachel Maddow saying that, oh, if you take the jab, you'll never get COVID. So I wish Matt would have said, hey, Medi, have you ever talked, um, confronted Rachel about the fact that she gave out misinformation that if you take the jab, you'll never get COVID? And that's a video that I've seen going around Twitter and on different social media plenty of times, you know, and. The last thing I want to say is that Medi, I think, is unfortunate. I, I watch a lot of Medi, um, a, a, a lot of his show. Not every show. But I've watched enough to be um, nuanced about him. I've seen him uh, go after, like, people on the right. I've seen him even ask people of the squad adjacent um, good questions that I was like, oh, that's a, that's a question that no regular MSNBC host would have asked. But to totally miss the mark on the fact, the whole point of the Twitter files is to show how the intelligent agencies are in a soft way influencing social media um, to, 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 what's the word, manipulate them and to have them give up information. I think that's the biggest story that they are just not getting to. You know, if I owned a social media company and the FBI came to me and said, hey, can you, um, uh, shadow ban this account and they're not going to come out and say just like that plainly but they're going to hint towards this and hint towards that and and they're going to want to have their own liaison in my app so that they can in my app app or my company so that they can go there to that person and always ask the favors as we saw with the twitter files how much are they doing that to facebook i would love to see the facebook files i would love to see the YouTube files. I love to see. And I think that's why they're trying to go after TikTok, because I think to a certain extent, TikTok is not allowing them to manipulate them. I've heard people say that when they go on TikTok, they grow a lot quicker without even trying because their algorithm is not shadow banning them or anything like that. I know so anyway, someone that's I know someone personally who's a vlogger on YouTube. She came onto my show a long time ago mm-hmm. and she's a vlogger. And she started on TikTok and she blew the fuck up on TikTok. I, I, she I said, think it was you. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. She, she said she was just like, it makes no sense. She talked about it on YouTube. She was like, at that time, she had 2,000 subs. She now has 4,000. She said, most of you guys came over from TikTok. She said, I went on. She said, I've been on YouTube for like a couple years. She said, I went on TikTok and I blew up immediately. I think I heard it from you. Uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I'm going to say is I, I totally want to give you a shout out, Sabby. Because I, I watched the um, Jill Stein interview, and I I totally saw her giving you praise and RBN praise and people on the independent left praise because you are and, and RBN and others are the main place where people can get independent media from and and get Jill Stein. Stein, I've seen her more <laughs> on RBN and on Savvy Sam than on other so-called independent left media that I would think they would have them on. Like, I'll give TYT a name drama. I, th- I, I thought Jill Stein would be on TYT a lot more than she is, and I don't see her there as much. I would love to see Sharma Sawant on TYT. I don't see them there. And, and, and it, by the fact that they're going on your show, it means that they are available and they would want to go on those other shows. It's just the fact that they're not being invited. So I want to give you a shout-out for thank you for being a, a place where we can get uh, independent media voices and independent media news from much love. Thank you. so Much, much. love, Roger. Thank you so much, Case. Yeah, I was going to add that. Um, no, it's very true. I, I do know I don't about Jill, but I do know in reference to Shama Sawant, 
when they were launching Worker Strike Back, they did re- reach out to TYT. They reached out to all the independent, independent uh, left independent media uh, networks, and TYT was like not willing to let Shama Sawant come on. That yeah. Is, wow, I'm shocked. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe I shouldn't be shocked, but I am to a certain extent because this is the people that they say they're the, the progressive network or the, the number one place for progressives. So I'm disappointed. I'll say that. I'm t- yeah, yeah. She, because I think she, if I remember correctly, check with Nick, because if I remember correctly, I think she was supposed to go on to uh, Nina Turner's show. And they seemed to be for it at first. And then when they found out it was Shama, they were like, nah, she can't come on. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. So right. This is why this is why that's why we don't win on the left. This is exactly why all these channels that say they care about the workers. Here's someone launching a worker initiative and they don't want them to come on because they criticize the Democratic Party. Oh, so that's why we have- know, now, you know. So I didn't watch the in- entire interview, but with um, Hassan and, and Taibi. But was the Twitter files touched upon in terms of did he ask any questions or have any curiosity about the government censoring? That's all it was about, Roger. That's so he, yeah, that's so, all that is all the the uh the interview was about. Okay, because I thought because the only parts I thought it he was talking about was questioning his credibility. And so on and so forth. So, so what did? But it was about the censoring. Like I, I covered it on on Friday, but it was yeah, about yeah. the censoring, and he brought up multiple examples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's bring in uh, Bad Cookies, and then Jonathan, and then I gotta go. All right. I hit the right button this time, Savvy. I'm gonna make this real fast. <clears throat> First, uh, I think uh, Matt Taibbi should continue doing the Twitter files, not because of. Uh, Anything that has to do with Elon Musk, I think he should continue doing it because it's the right thing to do. It's proper journalism. What he was doing was revealing government overreach, and that's the main cause here that people shouldn't forget about or ignore. And uh, the real quick last question for you, Sebi, what sport did you play that you refused to tell us on air? Sports that, oh, I played soccer for a little bit. I played softball. I played basketball. I was a cheerleader at one point. Like, I did different sports, yeah. Okay, but basketball is my favorite. Hey, everybody. Good night. Hey, Sabby. Can I say one thing? One thing. Uh, I just want to let everybody, anybody that's young, uh, look up those those bills that Obama tried to pass, and uh, with the SOPA bill and the SISPA bill, and you you'll get an understanding of like you know how this like uh, shaped up, you know, from from then, you know, especially like from the Patriot and stuff like that. So, I'm out. Thanks, Sabby. Awesome. Thank you. And Jonathan. Hey, Sabby, I'm going to keep it short, too. Um, just like Case, I'm also on spring break, thank God. Been on spring break since Thursday, but I'm on spring break from work, but not from school, which is pain in the ass. But anyway, um, I agree that I agree with what Brad Cookie says, that um, I think that Mac Tybee should continue to do the t- Twitter files. And I also agree with what Case said is that people are now losing sight of what the Twitter files are all about. And now it's turning into uh, who's the Russian bot and... Putin puppet and all this shit that makes no sense. But anyway, the reason why I hit you up is that um, I'm going. Remember when I told you that um, Richard Wolf is against reparations? Yes. I when I when I saw that she was on tonight, I saw that she mentioned him today. I started looking for it. I could not find it on his podcast, and I couldn't find it on his on his YouTube, YouTube, uh, YouTube channel. However, I did find it. 
um, on someone else's YouTube channel actually responding to what he said. So I'm going to send it to you. But a heads up, it's about an hour long to most of his commentary. But um, it's kind of hard to skip around because they pause and stop at certain points because the video he did wasn't like all the way through. He just did like certain segments. And this is where Richard Wolf, I'm like, you a piece of shit for now. He actually deleted that off his YouTube page. And the people who responded to it actually uploaded it on their um, on their page. So you're not going to get the whole thing through. I would recommend, I can tell you when to start. And there's one part I want you to listen to. It's at the 55-minute mark when he talks about the white tax. So in other words, Richard Wolf, from what I was listening to it again, because this is why I stopped listening to Richard Wolf, he is... Uh, He's not necessarily against reparations. He just doesn't believe that's going to, quote unquote, fix anything for those people. And he actually used the word those people. So I'll send it to you tonight. And Interesting. Thank you so much for that, Jonathan. All right, guys, I've got to head out. Thanks so much for hanging out with me tonight. I'll be back live on Tuesday night. Peace out. Later. Yeah, yeah, yeah.